Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Are you searching for the best in online black radio? Then go to blacktalkradionetwork.com, helping you filter through the noise. Real talk, black talk. The internet is full of half-truths and all-out lies. We've all seen them, and many people on social media complaining about it. Here's your chance to show and prove. WorldAfropedia.com is a black-owned and operated encyclopedia. There are several thousand articles, but we need help. We can't uncover all the truth ourselves. So please, join us and become a writer, editor, or blogger for WorldAfropedia.com today. Every little bit counts. We owe it to the future generations to put the truth out there. Visit worldafropedia.com, the African-centered encyclopedia, a global database of African knowledge for the purpose of bringing about global African wisdom and understanding. Worldafropedia.com. Hey, hey, brother, uh, can I get some of that water, man? Just a little bit, you know, maybe like a drop or two. You got all the water in the world, brother. Just, just let me get a little bit, please. That's, that's all I can get. I mean, I see, I see you over there shining with all that water, man. I just, I just need a little bit. I mean, it's, it's, it's hard out here. The family of John Crawford, the father who lost his son, a toy gun, in Ohio. Hello, my name is John H. Crawford Jr. I'm the father of the slain John H. Crawford III, who on August 5th was murdered in the biggest retail store in the entire world. That'd be Walmart. Let me, let me say the name loudly for you. Walmart, where most of America spends their money, at one time including myself, but that is no more. I'm, I'm here today to support the rest of these families in this wall of shame. I'm here today to let everyone know that my son's name, along with the rest of these families, will be vindicated. I worked under this system off and on for almost 20 years under the criminal justice umbrella. And never before have I been so ashamed that the same system that I carry out my duties is the same system that I'm receiving injustice for. The same system that we all are receiving injustice for. I would like to, to, to let everyone know to please stay focused. 
Don't forget the name John Crawford III. Don't forget Walmart. Associate the name with the place. He wasn't killed at a department store. He wasn't killed on the street. He was killed as the biggest retailer in the world. And we didn't get even one condolence. Walmart was under no prohibitions whatsoever to not release the footage when he was murdered. But did they do so? Absolutely not. Did we get, uh, I'm sorry, our deepest condolences? Absolutely not. Shame on you. Shame on you, Walmart. Shame on the Walton family. But I tell you, please, to stay focused of what's going on, really. What's going on is simply we have prosecutors who are not prosecuting. We have prosecutors who are not prosecuting. These cases, most of which behind me, are what we call close me case. They open and shut. These cases shouldn't even make it to the federal level. Let's just be frank about it. We don't need no water. 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 I just want to go for a swim. That's all. We don't need no water. I ain't went for a swim. Since I was a little kid. We don't need no water. You probably just be throwing it all willy-nilly. Just pouring it on your, on your shoes for no reason. I need water, man. Context of white supremacy. Gusty Renegade in for another broadcast, hopefully to share constructive information on the system of white supremacy. What it is, how it works. Uh, today's date, Monday, April 18th, 2016. So I have been told uh, we should be back on Thursday of this week, uh, perhaps before then, but certainly we'll be here on Thursday evening, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. Uh, we have, uh, let's see, I'm trying to think of the most correct way to describe this. Uh, it's a documentary film about racism, white supremacy in Canada, uh, London, Ontario, Canada, to uh, be specific. And uh, when I saw the information for the film, uh, I was looking online, right? And so they had photographs of the filmmaker and some of the folks that were in the film. Uh, the female, main female filmmaker, uh, they had her photograph, Justine, uh, Justine Turner is her name. <clears throat> and I saw her photograph, looked like a white woman to me. Uh, blonde hair, might not be a real blonde, but whatever. Uh, just looked like a white woman to me. I spoke with her on the phone last week uh, in kind of setting up uh, all the details for the broadcast and she said uh, I have a black father and a white mother and uh, that you know <laughs> cowbell you can put that in even add that to our more recent dialogue about the significance of non-white people having white parents but anyway she said she's done uh, several uh, different interviews and programs and what have you uh, where she's talked about having a black, uh, black father uh, and growing up in Canada and being teased and ridiculed uh, by little racist children, uh, calling her different names and what have you because they knew she had a black parent and they rejected her, didn't accept her as white. 
Um, I did ask her if she's able to be accepted as a white person. She did concede yes, uh, that there are a significant number of people that see her and just think, oh, she's a white woman and, you know, go about their business or what have you. But she says that she uh, publicly uh, announces, classifies herself uh, as a quote-unquote mulatta. She lets people know frequently, often, publicly that she has uh, a black father. She has photographs with her black father uh, on the site promoting uh, the documentary. <clears throat> and she's uh, done whole interviews and what have you where she talks about this. So uh, she will be on the program on Thursday along with one of the other uh, filmmakers uh, talking about this documentary project and her experience with racism and white supremacy uh, in Canada. But I thought that was an important uh, bit of information uh, that folks should uh, process. I have a link for the website uh, for the film so you can see what she looks like if folks are interested in doing any preparation for her visit and then you can even check out some of the uh, interviews and blog posts where she talks about this experience and you know how this has impacted the work that she does on racism, her views uh, on racism, but I'll make sure to share all that and we'll be ready to roll for Thursday. Uh, the program uh, for today, we've had several listeners, I guess even number one, we've done programs uh, on this before. We had a listener not too long ago, she called into one of the compensatory call-ins uh, asking uh, about resources, information uh, for attempted black parents to kind of share learn strategies, suggestions, problems, challenges uh, with getting information about racism, white supremacy, how you incorporate that into your efforts to parent, uh, sharing that information with black children, uh, just help for that. We've done a number of these uh, type of programs uh, down through the years uh, where we have had uh, black parents with their children uh, on the program. Uh, to talk about their experience with racism and how both of them have been going through the process of learning together. Uh, we've had parents on to talk about other experiences around uh, religion. I remember that one vividly. That was back in 2011. Uh, I think we even had a cameo appearance uh, from Mr. Fuller on that one. Uh, we've had experiences around holidays and parents talking about how they have uh, navigated all of that. Parents talking about how they deal uh, with the school situation. Uh, most of the areas of people uh, activity uh, that we've covered uh, and just different you know strategies, thoughts, suggestions and hopefully we'll be doing more or it's not even a hope we will be. I even contacted a different person who's talked about some of this information uh, scholar up in uh, the Pennsylvania area and I think she should be on the program later uh, this month so we'll have more of these to come. I do think it's uh, really important and just to emphasize I think I say this most of the time we talk about this subject matter. I do not have children make sure I'm very clear, very explicit about that. Uh, from time to time, I might offer uh, a suggestion or a thought on all of this, but it is certainly not based uh, on my child-rearing experiences, uh, experiences because I do not have any children. I have worked with children uh, in a classroom setting, that sort of thing. I've you know, been around children from time to time as I've become less confused about racism, but uh, certainly not something that I can you know, guide you from firsthand uh, experience. The, the only thing that I can say based on my experiences, observations, and what I've heard con pretty consistently, uh, almost unanimously from black parents uh, who've talked about this, including uh, Mr. Fuller, Dr. Welsing, uh, some of the other guests that we've had on the program, uh, just being honest. Uh, children, uh, it's been my first-hand experience. Uh, children are very good lie detectors. They grasp when you are not being honest with them. They grasp when you're not being sincere with them. That's one of the things that they pick up on very quickly. If you can just get in the habit of being honest 
with your child. Be honest when you talk about racism. Be honest about your status as a victim of white supremacy and the dynamics about how all of this works. If you can just be honest and be consistent about that, I think that can go a long way uh, to sharing constructive information and being able to keep uh, communication honest, fluid, consistent, and having them being willing to engage you uh, on these subject matters. Uh, with that, uh, we had... Uh, listener, I think at least one of our, our guests for the program this evening, uh, has called in before. He's participated in some of our book club sessions and some of the other uh, programs that we've done. He's been able to call in and uh, ask questions or give his perspective. I think he's even called in and, and given some of his experiences with workplace racism. Uh, he also is an attempted parent uh, and I discussed with him because uh, he was sharing off the air. He was talking about <clears throat> how learning about racism, white supremacy, how that impacted uh, the way that he went about parenting, uh, how that impacted the relationship that he had uh, with his uh, child, with his attempted wife, and I thought that would be great. Uh, right in line kind of with what uh, one of our previous listeners uh, was asking about, just getting more information, getting more people to kind of share their experiences, uh, what's been successful, what's been difficult, what have been some of the challenges uh, in this process. And uh, they said that they would be down to kind of come on the program and, and talk both uh, about how they started getting information uh, about racism, white supremacy, what it is, and then after they started getting a better uh, understanding, uh, the process of incorporating that information, counter-racist logic, uh, into the way that they dealt with their child and, and what they've seen uh, in that whole process. Thought it would be great to have them on the program. They agreed. Uh, they should be joining us live. Uh, let's see if we have our attempted black parents with us. Uh, are you all with us? Yes, we are. Yes, we're with you. Outstanding. So thankful we could have both of you uh, on the program this evening. Uh, before we kind of get into the subject matter, uh, anything that you think is important for listeners to know about who you all are and, the, and uh, what we're going to be talking about this evening? Well, we're both victims of racism. Mm. Um, we live in Overtown, Miami. And um, I mean, since we've been learning about racism, we actually have been um, doing a, a lot of moving around the neighborhood, talking to a lot of uh, business owners around here, black business owners, and trying to get an understanding uh, from our peers of if they have a clear understanding of exactly what the term justice is and what exactly racism, white supremacy is. And um, we're uncovering a, a massive amount of uh, confusion here in the area of Overtown, Miami. <laughs> confusion seems to be a worldwide problem. No, uh, <laughs> I can't, unfortunately, I cannot say I'm surprised, but I, I will say that that is outstanding uh, that, you know, that's been one of the results of y'all getting more information is, is making an effort to go out and engage uh, other non-white people to see what their understanding is and to try to share some of this information and just see uh, where people's uh, understanding currently is uh, and some of the problems. Uh, even, uh, I can't say smile, but at least, folks, if you have been listening to the book club, uh, Leonita McLean of Foot in Each World. She just talked about uh, Overtown in Florida and some of the problems with white supremacy and black people being shot and killed in that area and some of the things that were happening uh, in the 1980s. We just talked about that. I believe it was uh, not this past Friday, but a week ago uh, or two weeks ago. It's amazing that you say that. <laughs> my, uh, my neighbor, he's a 64-year-old guy, and, you know, he's worked what they would call in the movies, I guess, an OG. So, um, you know, me and my wife, we, one of our last stops of the evening as we're coming home is to stop at the barbershop. 
And as we stop at the barbershop, the uh, the conversation in the barbershop is, oh, man, yeah, he got shot. He had to fight the dude off. And, you know, man, if, dude, if he didn't fight the dude off, he wouldn't. He would have got shot in his head and not in his leg. So I'm, like, listening to the story, like, wow, they're talking about a 64-year-old man basically got into a scuffle in one of the uh, dope spots we have over here in Overtown. And with sour suit and said he calls a trap, I guess. <laughs> so, um and to come to find out, the guy who actually got shot was my neighbor. You know, so I was walking down the street with my wife just about, about five days ago. And we saw him coming up the street with a walker. And we were just like, wow, man, he told us a little bit about it. But, you know, this this, this world and... Uh, no matter how old, no matter what, uh, sex, uh, you're definitely a target. Absolutely. Absolutely. System of white supremacy. Uh, we'll do our definition and then we'll uh, get to the subject matter at hand. Uh, this program, okay. context of white supremacy, uh, I have unfortunately concluded that the problem down in South Florida and worldwide system of white supremacy, uh, I use the term racism and white supremacy as synonyms, same definition for both terms. That definition is as follows, a global system of people who classify themselves as white and are dedicated to abusing and or subjugating everyone in the known universe whom they classify as not white. Uh, do you believe such a system exists? Do you think that definition is accurate? Uh, the only definition we found more accurate than that is Dr. Kress's definition. But um, yes, we do believe that your definition is accurate as well. Right on, right on. Let's see. Um, to start out, uh, I guess, before we get to, the, to how this impacted uh, how you relate to your child and, and that whole process, um, with the two of you, uh, if you can kind of give us a, a quick summary of when you started to get more correct information about racism, white supremacy, I guess, if you could give us specifically, uh, if you don't mind sharing, like, uh, your age when you started getting this information and the age of your uh, child, I guess if you could tell us how many children you have and then the age of your child when you started getting this information and just kind of what that process looked like, if you can kind of summarize it. Okay. Well, about, um, I guess about 15 months ago, um, my mom had gotten the countdown. Um, basically, um, her, her cancer had become terminal. And um, they told us that we had three months, you know. So at that point, <clears throat> my elder brother, he came down uh, from New York, and he had come with three uh, DVDs, uh, which were The Hidden Colors 1, 2, and 3. And, you know, at this time, well, about um, 37 years old, you know, just turning 37. And um, I was very intrigued by this information. I mean, I thought that we all had grew up and was considered to be, you know, I guess an Afrocentric or strong black family. Um, but as I watched these these uh, movies, I realized that that was pretty much a, a facade because a lot of the information that was in the uh, the movies were never shared with us as we were children. You know, so that was kind of a shocking experience um, to just sit next to my older brother and just kind of absorb. Uh, these DVDs, but over time, um, I just wrote down uh, 
names of what I thought was important scholars in those DVDs. And one of the uh, people I wrote down was Dr. Francis Cress Wilson. I also wrote down um, Dr. Hiram Van Sertima, um, several other uh, scholars as well. And I just started to go onto the Internet and find ways to download their books and, you know, I would just be reading their books and, and constantly talking to my, my uh, wife about it. Now, at the time, we were kind of having friction because I was developing kind of a, a one-track mind, and, you know, this is what's correct and that's it, you know, you need to listen to this. And, you know, I'm a very um, forceful type of person, to say the least, a very strong type of individual, you know. So my wife was kind of resistant to that, and me and her were kind of bumping heads on the information that I was learning. And when I had gotten to um, to Dr. Cross, she kind of put everything in a, a very black and white perspective. You know, there was no more gray. There was no more it could be this way. It might be this system. It was this is the system. These are the people who run the system. These are the people who are victims of the system. These are the people who are mentally hurt by the system. And how? And I was just like, wow, just being blown away on a very deep level. And I started to think about my son and my wife. I realized that <clears throat> I was abusing them just based off of the system of racism, white supremacy. I didn't admit this to them, but I was feeling internally that I had made some major mistakes as a father, as a husband, as a family member. So, um, what type of mistakes? Let my wife tell you about uh, what she thought about Dr. Chris. <laughs> <laughs> well, of course, uh, when we first started learning about racism, white supremacy, what it is and how it works, uh, first we wanted to learn everything that uh, we learned that was wrong, the, the truth. That was our first key. That's why we started with Dr. Van Sternema. Um When it came to Dr. Francis Chris Welsing, he picked up on her first. And when he was reading about Dr. Francis Chris Wilson, I'm not sure if it was the presentation, um, but it seemed as if uh, Dr. Francis Chris Wilson was focusing a lot on the black male and uh, his power or his lack thereof um, because of lack of support from the black female. And that might have been because of the way that the book was explained, but I definitely resisted a little bit more than he's given me credit for. <laughs> Okay. Uh, I, I did want to ask just in terms of how, uh, or I guess, how do you all want to be uh, referenced for the program? What do you all want to be called for the broadcast? Well, I mean, uh, I'm Norma. I'm Devin. <laughs> okay. No problem. Well, I want to I'll go back to uh, Devin about, you know, what he specifics about how he felt he was uh, behaving incorrectly with you all. But just in terms of when you, uh, Norma, when you said you first got introduced to Dr. Welsing's work and you felt like she was focused more on uh, black males and them not being empowered and kind of leaving out uh, black females, um, did you change your view and, and were you able to, I guess, either listen or contact Dr. Welsing to have her kind of explain her views to, to get a different perspective on how she, what she was explaining? I haven't been able to contact, I, I wasn't able to contact Dr. Francis Chris Welsing, unfortunately. Um, However, I have changed my view. Um, I'm understanding now that what she means is true, and it's about really the fear of white genetic annihilation, 
um, and the black male is the number one, I mean, the number one offensive force if you're talking in terms of war um, that the what racist man, racist woman would see, you know what I'm saying? So I have changed my point of view. Um, really what it was about the viewpoint was that um, I felt that a lot of strength was being given to the um, black man as far as weaponry, as far as uh, a sense of danger to the, to, to the white supremacist system, as if the, the black woman wasn't a, a, a force to be reckoned with as well. Um, I realize now that that's a kind of uh, an attitude that's been instilled in me um, from the system of racism, white supremacy, it's kind of the attitude that's been separating black women and men for a long time. That whole, F them, I don't need a man, um, I can do it all by myself, when in reality we can't, and that's what they want us to think. Fascinating, fascinating. Um, I guess but before I uh, move forward, uh, just... De- uh, Devin, if you could give us a few of the details in terms you felt like once you started getting information on racism, white supremacy, you said, wow, I feel like I have not been uh, doing, I have not been treating my attempted wife, my children, I've not been treating them correctly. Uh, what are what are some of the specific things we were like, wow, I was not, I was not doing the correct thing? Well, <clears throat> my son, um, he was brought to me uh, during his ninth grade year. Mm. And at the time, um, you know, I was basically, you know, with my mom trying to take care of my mom. So he, uh, my mom had to go up to New York and get um, chemotherapy. So that had me and him move from the Kendall area in Miami down to Overtown. So that switched him with schools. So once he switched schools, he decided that, you know, he could build a whole new persona and, and do exactly what he wanted in school. You know, I'm doing about anywhere between, um, you know, 10 and 12 hour days. So I'm basically coming home, making sure I did your home. Uh-oh. Uh, looks like they got disconnected from our line. Uh, if they don't ring back, I will just call them and add them uh, to my line. Hope that was not racist interference. Uh, hope, you know, maybe the line just got disconnected uh, or what have you, but I'll give them a second and see uh, if they ring us back. If not, then, uh, oh, looks like they might be back with us now. Let's see. Uh, let's see. Do we have uh, Norma and Devin? Are you all back with us? Yeah, um, that happens a lot. As soon as we start getting some constructive information on your show, we get cut off. How? That is a that is a frequent occurrence. How interesting! I have heard that before. What a coincidence! You got uh, you got dropped right when you were saying you do uh, ten twelve hour days and right. So, um, with that being said, you know I, I um, came up in the streets to say the least. But um, I did a tremendous amount of marijuana smoking, all right? So I would come home, check my son's homework, roll a blunt, smoke some weed, go to sleep. Very inappropriate child-rearing or um, basically telling my son to do the correct thing while in his face doing the incorrect thing. So that was kind of the, um, 
the symptom or the recipe of my parenting for him before really started to dig into the system of, of racism, white supremacy, and understand how it affects us in the nine areas of people activity. Uh, once I really started to understand that, I started to really listen to, to Dr. Kress. As a matter of fact, um, she was on your show, as a matter of fact, talking about a patient that had come into her, her office. And basically, the, the, the contact was so much from that patient. I guess they had finished smoking before they came in that she had felt a difference her head. And she was like, you know, the things that they're putting in the drugs these days, especially the marijuana, people can't even begin to understand. And I put that together with, you know what? They don't want us to have effective brain power in order to solve this problem. So I had decided that if I'm serious about this, I need to stop smoking weed. I need to stop any form of mind altering drug and get serious about this. And when I made that step, that's when the real friction started between me and my son, because I really started to pay attention to what was going on. Wow. Fascinating. They just had a, a report in the New York times within the last 48 hours where a white person was saying that uh, cannabis consumption made them a much better caregiver and they could be more attentive and more patient and just made life wonderful uh, all the way around. How, how interesting. Um, no, so, weed made me sleep, it made me yell, it made me short, it made me impatient, it made me irritable, it made me incom uh, in inappropriately communicative with him, you know, so <laughs> marijuana is a terrible thing, you know, if you don't have cancer or you're not dying, you know, I mean, stay away from drugs, period. Mm. Sobriety would be best under conditions of white supremacy. Um, you said once you got clarity and, and started respecting your brain computer and saying, hey, I want to make sure that I'm paying attention, focused, not doing anything to tamper or alter uh, with alter my mental state. And you started paying more attention to uh, what your son was doing. Um, you said, I think you uh, got custody of your son. Uh, he was in ninth grade, so I would assume somewhere around 14. Would that be correct? Somewhere in that age? Yeah. Okay. And yeah. you you said you started paying more attention to him. What sort of things were you noticing that you had not been paying attention to when you were more confused about racism? I would start leaving work early and just popping up at Booker T. Washington and talking to his guidance counselors and, and getting attendance reports pulled and things like that. You know, uh, things that I was never really doing before. I would ask him about school and accept whatever answer he was telling me. You know, uh, whereas now I'm actually going to the school, creating relationships with the principal, uh, with the guidance counselor. And the most profound thing is that the only black father that goes to the school and does this now. You know, the comment that we get from all of the counselors, the principals, everything is, I wish that everybody's parents cared as much or cooperated with us as much to see what's going on. You know what I mean? So it takes a lot. Um, we have to know at the same time that uh, the people that are at our children's school are there to help us. And if we want to know where they're at in order to get them to the place where they need to go uh, to combat the system of racism, white supremacy, we got to use the resources we have, which is teachers and guidance counselors.
And once I really started to do that, that's where we started to have friction. And the, the guidance counselor herself, Mrs. Moore, you know, she was a real down-to-earth, you know, teacher. She's like, Mr. Grace, she's like, your son, he needs you to bring it to him. You need to dig in his chest. I'm like, what? She's like, you need to kick his ass. I said, excuse me? She's like, I'm just telling you real, okay? And she said, this boy don't believe when you tell him water is wet. She's like, if you don't check him, this neighborhood is, all right? Your son is not from Overtown. You're not from Overtown. You know, he keep walking around here with his chest beefed up like he think he know what's going on. Somebody going to flatten his tires, you know? And everybody knows me around here because um, I've worked with the kids to try to teach them how to play chess and stuff like that in this neighborhood. So, you know, my son doesn't really get into the, the bully problems and stuff like that in this neighborhood, you know, but... um yeah, once I really started working with the uh, the guidance counselors to correct his behavior, um, that's when he really started to turn me totally against his mother. And um, he began, as my mother told me, some aggressive stealing from her. Hmm. Now, when you started <clears throat> being more attentive to your son, what he was doing, going to the school, trying to get information from uh, guidance counselors, teachers about his progress in the classroom and what have you, were you attempting to share information about racism to help your son understand, hey, this is, this is the transformation that I'm going through. This is why I'm making these changes in my life about no longer smoking weed and these sort of things. This is why I'm trying to be more attentive with you because I'm starting to get a better understanding of racism and how that's impacting all of us. Were you trying to share this information with him? And if so, how was he responding? At that time, I wasn't. I was, um, during the times that I'm talking about, I was reading Ivan Van Sertima's book, and just um, doing basic research here and there. Now, by the time I had gotten um, Mr. Fuller's book, um, that's when I really started to make aggressive change and talk to him. Um, when I started to talk to him about what's going on, he started to tell me that it's not like that. So, meaning, when he says it's not like that, meaning racism. I was telling, I was trying to explain to him that the world is governed by an organized system of racism, white supremacy, and this system dominates the entire globe in nine specific areas of activity: economics, entertainment, education, labor, law, politics, religion, sex, and war. And I was telling him that. You know, there's different strategies that they're going to use to dominate any specific areas, but it's up to us to really pay attention to what's going on um, because the world is governed by this system, you know. And we weren't brought over here, and we're not dominated in any type, any part of the world to be made into productive citizens or, uh, you know, happy family members or things like that. We're made to be laborers, and our women are sexual toys. But his response was, no, Dad, it's not like that anymore, or it's not like that, and that's not what it is, it's not how it is, you know, but I guess that's what they're talking. So I said, you know what, this is the problem, this is TV. I said, you know, we're done, we're done with the TV. I said, everybody in the house, we're just going to read from here on now, all right? So when you want to play the video game, you need to bring home proper, uh, correct grades. 
And I just told him like that because he's bringing me like C's and D's. So, um, how much, about how, just that, how much, for example, just how much television watching was going on before you were clearer about racism? Uh, from the point we came, I came home, we call it about eight, would uh, get home about eight till about, you know, one, 12, one o'clock in the morning. Then we get up, you know, six, start it all over again. And, they and get of that. course, we have to assume that he was watching television while we were at work. Here. Right. You know, so what really let me know that I had a major problem is he walked in his house one day and was like, Dad, is that all you're going to listen to? I said, what? He said, that's all you listen to. You don't listen to nothing else. I said, what are you talking about, Donovan? He said, Dad, you don't even have fun. You don't want to do nothing. All you want to do is just listen to cows. I said, Donovan. This is constructive information, man. I said, now I'm 38 years old. I said, Joe, your meme is gone, man. Your grandpa's is gone. I said, Joe, straight up, I'm late. I'm 38 years old, man. And, and I'm getting this information like, like now. I said, man, I'm scared for you. I said, I don't have no choice but to listen to this information right now, Donovan, so that I can feed it correctly to you. He said, you don't want to have fun? I said, fun? You mean, do I want to waste time? I said, Donovan, I just told you I wasted 37 years. He's like, ah, and then, like, stomped away. I've never seen this, this, this behavior out of my son before. Wow. Just to put this in context, and hopefully we can get a re- both of you can respond to this. You all are in Florida. I don't know how far uh, Overton, I don't know how far that is from Sanford and some of the other areas that have been uh, in national news uh, for the last few years or so. Uh, but with the, all the attention that was focused on Jordan Davis and the documentary that just came out and all the attention that was focused on uh, Marissa Alexander and all the attention that was focused on Trayvon Martin and some of the other incidents that have gotten uh, a lot of attention uh, in South Florida over the last three, four, five years dealing with racism and not just dealing with white supremacy, but white supremacy and black children. Uh, and how black children, this war is being waged against them as well, where they have been mauled and beaten and everything else. That didn't, like, did that register at all? Like, was that, did, is that something that, you know, really impacted him and he talked about? Are you all were able to kind of incorporate in these conversations incidents that were happening right in your state, not that far from you all, and happening to black children that are pretty close to his age? You know, we have. And um, a lot of the times I feel like he digests the information and he understands um the risks just by going out on the street as a black man. Um, I, I feel as though at the same time, he tells us he understands, and I, I get a feeling that he doesn't think that it could happen to him still. You know what I'm saying? So, um, yeah, it has impacted him. Yes, he has. Uh, he does understand the risks. He understands the dangers. I don't think he's conducting himself as if he does. Like his mother is, I mean, if you saw her, you would say that she was white, you know, so she is a black woman that appears to be white. So the confusion is, is extreme. What complexion? 
I was just going to ask real quick, what what complexion is your son? Like, if you could compare him to somebody that we've probably seen, like a, a person that's on television a lot of what have you, so we have a com- <laughs> idea of complexion. Drake. My wife said Drake. <laughs> I don't think he's that light. Maybe a shade darker than you. Okay, Drake. All right. <laughs> wow. 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 <laughs> no, I'm like a, a, a DMX. <laughs> hmm. So you're significantly, uh, you have significantly more melanin than your son. Oh, absolutely. Hmm. Okay. Do you and you think that that has an impact on how he's processing what you're trying to tell him about racism? The fact that he's significantly lighter. Absolutely. Hmm. Absolutely. Hmm. Interesting. Absolutely. Does he have white friends? To your knowledge. No, my son is the, uh, he's the, uh, the wannabe tough guy. Not to my knowledge. He goes to Booker T. Washington. It's, it, to my knowledge, he doesn't have any white friends. His friends are all black. However, um, he falls into the trap that a lot of victims of racism, white supremacy fall into of trying to show off and, you know, I'm tough and things like that. So his friends are non-white, however. Huh? Or it might not be the correct group of people. Like he uh, last year uh, broke his jaw on the bet he could take a punch from a football player for twenty dollars. Now I'm not sure if you're aware of high school football, but Booker T. Washington is like number one in the nation for high school football. Wow, that. Uh... Remind, unfortunately, reminds me, I know uh, Mr. Neely Fuller Jr., he, he has said that one of the unfortunate products of this system is that uh, one of the major goals, if not the major objective that black people, victims of white supremacy have, is trying to impress other black people. Uh, and he's just emphasized consistently that that is not worth a pecan. Uh, that, that is one of the most pitiful objectives that you can have uh, on the planet, mm-hmm. trying to impress another victim of racism. Um, and, and even frequently impressing them with how much punishment we can take. That ends up becoming a measure of our strength or you know, masculinity, masculinity or virility, how much punishment we can take. Um, I guess the getting back to the TV thing, because I know when we spoke before, you mentioned it already that that was one of the big shifts that he, you all watched a lot of television in the household, and that was one mm-hmm. of the things that she tried to change as she got uh, more accurate information. One of my favorite shows in the history of uh, the universe is Empire. Uh, it seems that your son also uh, loves Empire, and it seemed you, it seemed to you that this program was causing some significant problems in terms of concepts and things he was learning and then applying just from this one program. Is that true? But that, that's actually what, what caused the big head is when I said no more of that show in this house. Uh, so I forget exactly how I had pinpointed it, but, you know, I have realized, you know, from his favorite character, that he was acting out what his favorite character was doing on the show. Okay, so there's a scene in Empire where um, I guess Cookie is on Lucius's bed and Lucius is sick and dying, or everybody thinks Lucius is dying, and he's apparently incapacitated because he's on some sort of drugs, and Cookie has just found out that Lucius tried, or... Lucius killed her uncle or something or other. And Cookie goes and he, she tries to kill Lucius. 
right? Now, Lucius, knowing this, shows the video evidence to all of his children in order to turn them against their mother. You know what I'm saying? Now, there's an incident that took place in which Donovan, um, you know, he went to his mother's house. He told her A, came to his father's house, told him B, you know, the truth. And then at the end of the day, it ended up that his mother and father were bickering and fighting and quarreling. And I'm sitting on the outside like, hmm, this sounds familiar. I'm like, Donovan, do you watch Empire? He's like, yeah. I'm like, oh. At which point, of course, me and Devin have our, our meetings. Um, at night, whenever we wind down, we talk about the day, things that happened, anything we noticed. You know, and I let him know, you know, there was a scene in Empire that kind of reminded me of what Donovan pulled today. At which point, we decided that it was probably not the best idea for him to keep watching Empire. You know, a show that's about keeping black families apart uh, by any means necessary to get some form of what you think is power is not so, constructive. I, I broke this down to him, and, you know, his whole, his mother's whole persona, she calls me like, Devin, you need to loosen up. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm a hard guy, and... Um, I've been tough on Donovan because I've been very frustrated. And there's no excuse, but, you know, it is what it is. But at the same time, when I broke everything down to him, you know, he seemed to have understood. And I said, Donovan, you have me seeming like I'm a Sergeant Bilko to your mother when the reality is you're just really mimicking this show, man, and it's poisoning your head. And he seemed to have understood and I explained to him that, you know, I'm trying to really codify my life so that I can counter racism so that the negative impact of racism doesn't use me to hurt you. You know, I started putting him on the phone with Mr. Fuller and explaining to him, yo, look, you see the book that I read every single day? All right, this is the guy that wrote it. Like, you know, holler at him. You know, I'm going to leave, you know, and I let them have the little private conversation. And, you know, him and Mr. Fuller had a very good conversation from what I understood. And, you know, he seemed real enlightened, but within 48 hours, as soon as he get back in school, it's, it's right back to the games. Wow. Context of white supremacy, uh, our guests uh, attempted black parents, Norma, Devin, joining us uh, from South Florida. Uh, I would only submit, uh, number one, uh, we talked about yesterday on our Global Sunday Talk on Racism, uh, one of the programs on the BBC uh, over in the UK, uh, where it's the same dynamic, uh, distrust on uh, promoting conflict uh, in black families so that uh, black husband and wife don't trust each other and uh, just nobody. Black people just period. Do not trust one another and just any way, any means of generating and producing conflict uh, amongst victims of racism. That seems to be one of the key ingredients worldwide. Uh, and second, even though we're talking about how this impacted your teenage son, I would submit these concepts, this brain trashing that comes from white supremacy entertainment, don't think that this just impacts black children. Uh, I submit that any black, I wouldn't care if you're 16, 66, 76, whatever, uh, if you're sitting down and watching this garbage uh, and you don't understand racism, white supremacy, what it is, how it works, maybe even if you do understand racism, this content is going to impact your brain computer, how you think about and relate to 
other black people. Uh, that is one of the main reasons why it's on, why they blow it up, promote it, all of this content. Uh, it doesn't just impact children, in my opinion. I think this has a big impact on all of the non-white people, irrespective of age, who watch this content. So just another uh, friendly reminder, PSA, about uh, the importance of reading over television. Um, given and also, you said on one of your shows, they call it television programming. Absolutely. You know, uh, they, they use it to program your mind. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I guess kind of given this information, I guess from, from both of you, uh, I guess we'll start with Norma and then we'll also hear from Devin on this one. Given the information that you have now about white supremacy, racism, what's like one of the biggest changes that you would make if you, you know, were starting over, if you all were going to have another child, or if you just were starting over with how, what you were going to do with Donovan, what's one of the biggest changes that you would make knowing what you know now about racism, white supremacy? We'll start with Norma first on this one. Well, I don't think we wait um, so long uh, to talk to our child about the system, what it is and how it works. You know, I think also at the same time, we want our child to come to us with questions um, instead of us going to them and kind of pointing out things. You know, we want to make sure that our child is going to absorb all the knowledge at the pace that they want. You know, uh, it, it can be really overbearing learning all of it at one time, especially with our son learning it all in such a short period of time and trying to grasp it all, I think that's what was so hard. Devin? Well, um, I keep listening to Justice like, wow, I wish I had started when uh, Donathan was a a very young child. You know, um, just telling him the truth about what's going on and allowing him to ask um, any question. And I would have made sure that I was uh, delivering the, the correct example uh, from the beginning. You know, um, I grew up in the whole uh, Jay-Z, Tupac, Biggie Smalls era, so a lot of uh, people in my era we believed that you could do the wrong thing or you could tell your kids, you do what I say, not what I do. And that's totally incorrect. And at the same time, be truthful. I mean, not leave my child on to believe there's a fat white man that's going to come deliver gifts for you on Christmas. You know, things like that. Things like the small symbolism, keep that away from the child to make sure that they don't end up doing the same thing that I did, which is idolize the white, the racist man, racist woman for so long. Mm, Fascinating. Wow. That I think I was talking about that right at the beginning of the program. It's been my experience. Children are very perceptive and picking out any form of hypocrisy where you're saying this, but you're not doing it or you're not being truthful with them. They really pick up on that sort of thing that can really hurt your uh, credibility uh, when you're trying to talk to them. If they kind of perceive your dad is talking, but he's not doing that like your mom or whatever the case may be. Um, with those holidays, because I know that's something that's come up uh, on the program. I know that's one that we've done, like, whole programs where we've had uh, black children on and their parents and just talking about holidays and, and how racism, white supremacy is, is kind of the holiday. How That's kind of what's being celebrated on all of these uh, so-called holidays, whether it's Christmas, Fourth of July, whatever the day happens to be. How has that, has that been a problem? Is that something that you all have tried to change as you've got more information about racism? 
try to steer away from the materialistic things. Um, we try to steer away from celebrating holidays altogether, really, because all of it, Christmas, Black Friday, <laughs> Easter, it, it, it's all, all to give money to racist man and racist woman. You know, if I want to give you a gift, I'm going to put money in your savings account. You know, I'm not going to give my money to racist man, racist woman to help them develop and build a system to keep you subjugated for the rest of your life. You know, so we have changed. We've not, we're not celebrating those holidays anymore. Those are the ones you can count us out of. I second that. Hmm. What's been uh, like the single biggest problem uh, that you've had since you've been trying to make these adjustments uh, in how you parent uh, with this information where you just have really had uh, difficulties uh, generating success in dealing with your son uh, since you've got this information? Honesty. You know, um, from my mom was really, really sick, man, and Donovan was a great help. Um, as far as um, assisting his grandmother and, you know, helping me out in areas that I couldn't be there because I had to be at work and make sure our bills were covered. Now, he had taken advantage of that situation and um, began stealing from his grandmother. You know, so he used to take her credit card and go down to the corner store and, and buy this bag of chips or that bag of chips or the Snickers or whatever, that kind of thing. You know, so she was paying her bills and paying her medication and then noticing that her account was being overdrawn. So I did I did an a audit on her account to find out what was what. And I said, Mom, are you off on your numbers? You want me to start doing your math for you? Because right here you off, right here you off like $3, right here you off like... She was like, no, nah, baby, no. And then she just went silent. And I looked at the numbers again. And I said, nah. And she just, she knows the look in my face. She just, she knew. And she said, baby, don't do nothing. I said, ma, uh, this boy is done. He's going back to his mother. He's done. So um, she said, baby, look at me. And she's, I look at her. She said, don't do nothing. Uh, she made me promise her and swear to her and all this and that. And I never said nothing to my son about this. But holding that in, um, that also made me really aggressive towards him, you know, because I would get like a lie from him. I know he was lying. And instead of just raising my voice, now I punch him in the chest. I'm like, you know, just that frustrated, you know, and, and Donovan is at the point where, you know, these kids believe when they're 18, they don't, nobody can tell them nothing. You know, my son turned 18 on the 29th of January. So the closer and closer we're getting to January, the more and more hard-headed he's becoming. Wow. We uh, we had a side, or I guess uh, two things. Uh, number one, uh, I want to make sure that I give uh, a commendation uh, to both of you. I think this is uh, just to emphasize the seriousness uh, of this problem. Uh, and, you know, really the way that we use uh, our time and energy. I think this is also uh, another phenomenal illustration of black self-respect. Um, Norma and Devin, they had uh, a death in the family uh, this, you know, over the past 48 hours. And they are still here. 
uh, sharing information. We really appreciate that. No. Nope. Yeah, really. We really, really appreciate as our father. Condolences, definitely, uh, and just uh, to emphasize what I said, uh, huge commendation, and just uh, this is extremely serious uh, what we're dealing with, and in my view, just really showing how uh, important this problem is to both of them. Uh, that under these circumstances, it would have been super easy to say, you know, this is a difficult time. You know, let's reschedule. Maybe we can do it in a week from now, two weeks from now, next month, whatever the case may be. That was not a thought at all. Just. Let us proceed. Uh, and they're here, ready to roll and, and sharing information. Uh, so that's one. We can tell you why, Gus, because we, unfortunately, have recognized as, uh, as much as us black people are not taking this thing seriously, as much as us black people are taking weekends off, taking days off, this thing is just going to get stronger and more refined. White people are not taking days off and weekends off. They on the golf course talking about how they're going to dominate niggers, and they're not playing about it. They're dead serious. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, the second thing, if we have uh, any parents, I guess anybody, period, but certainly uh, if we have any uh, parents uh, who are listening in who have uh, thoughts, uh, questions, observations that you would like to ask. I definitely think that's important. I know we do have uh, and have had for the, the whole time that we've been on uh, lots and lots of black parents uh, all over the world uh, who listen to the program and, uh, you know, look for suggestions, techniques, ideas uh, in terms of sharing this information with their children and having children that are all over the spectrum, really, really young children that are three, four, five, uh, and then having much older children that are in their teens or some of them even older than that. Uh, and always looking for uh, information and how you can uh, be more successful uh, in incorporating counter-racist logic and uh, how we uh, raise black children. So certainly uh, feel free to chime in if you have questions and what have you. The number is 641-715-3640. The code is 564-943-POUND. Press star 6 if you have questions. Um, we just had, uh, about, I guess a month ago, uh, Dr. Frances Cresswells and her sister, uh, Lauren Cress Love, uh, she uh, recommended that we get uh, Asada Kirkland on the program. She's a black female author uh, and parent. Uh, she was with us uh, last month, and she, we talked about her uh, book, Beating Black Children, where uh, she unequivocally came down on the side of, you know, she thinks that it would be best. Uh, no corporal punishment at all, uh, not beating black children uh, regardless of, of how major an infraction or whatever it is that they've done that we can use words and other techniques taking away uh, privileges and that sort of thing uh, to discipline a child that discipline should not be connected with uh, beating and, and just emphasizing how in her view that that's just an extension of racism white supremacy and how racist that's been their whole history their whole tradition uh, any reason any justification to beat even kill black people uh, what are your thoughts around uh, corporal punishment uh, with your son? It's, it's totally incorrect. And you know what? I wish my father was alive. But if I could just talk to him and him and my mother, actually. Because growing up, I was a real knucklehead kid. Like I was, I was the one of my brothers that, you know, if there was a kid that needed a whooping, I was the one. You know, 
you know, like I, I set the attic on fire, all, all kind of stuff, you know. But um, at any rate, my mother used to lose it and be like, Vinny, kick his ass! Like she would go crazy. And my father was a, a martial artist and a world-renowned martial artist and totally against corporal punishment. But at the same time, you know, he understood a happy wife is a happy household. So he would take me up in the attic and um, he would like, Uh, he'd take off his belt and he would start like beating the floor. And he'd be like, "Don't you ever!" And then he'd look at me. He'd be like, "Crack, crack!" And I'd be like, "Huh?" <laughs> he'd just be slapping the floor. And then, and then kind of like a role playing thing. And then that's how much against whooping he was. He would never, he would never hit. Me, you know, he would never whoop me. But my mother, she always laid down the whooping for all of us boys. You know, and um, I kind of took after her as far as how I raised my son. But um, hitting anybody. You know, that just, it removes trust, guys. And um, trust, it, it, it takes years to build, whether it's your family member um, or whether it's your love or friend. And it takes a second to break. And corporal punishment is one of those things that immediately destroys trust. And I've been paying attention to people a lot lately. And on the train, um, in the malls, I see a lot of white children. I see them with their parents, and I see them acting up. And I don't ever see the white parent raise their voice, do the things that typically us black parents are known to do in public or to our children in the way of discipline. So I, I, I disagree with corporal punishment. Norma, anything you want to add on uh, corporal punishment? I mean, yeah, we hear a lot to spare the rods, spoil the child. Uh, but at the same time, I don't see proof of that in adults. You know what I'm saying? You see, when we go out, we see these black families with black mothers hitting and cursing at their children and, and or black males hitting and cursing at their children and white families, you know, talking to their children, you know, telling them what they did wrong. And I, I see that that translating into a better person as an adult. You know what I'm saying? If, if if you teach your child how to communicate at an early age, they can communicate with anyone, with a police officer that stops them on the side of the street. You know, proper communication is key, especially when they're in trouble. And that's all it is. Words. Words. Very, very important. Um, well, funny, the guidance counselor was encouraging corporal punishment in the school. She was like, Mr. Grace, you need to dig in his chest, like, seriously. Yeah. Oh. She was encouraging this. Black woman. Hmm. Wow. Very popular. I think uh, Miss Kirkland, she talked about that when she was on the program. It's very very popular uh, way of thinking in terms of uh, dealing with children, but uh, I'm, I'm of the opinion everything should be re-evaluated uh, as long as this problem is here, as long as we've been trying to deal with and get rid of uh, racism. Uh, just my perspective, uh, anytime that I hear the justification for doing something that sounds like it's attached to we've been doing this for a long time, but this is the way that it's always been done. I'm ready to get rid of that, like, immediately. Because <laughs> like, uh, I, yeah. I just am of the opinion that some of this, the reason we haven't solved this problem is because we have been doing the same thing for a long time, and maybe we should try some new techniques uh, to try to solve this problem. But 
definitely. I would encourage folks to check out uh, the book, Beating uh, Black Children. You certainly can go back in the archives and hear uh, when she was on and what she had to uh, offer uh, on the subject matter. Um, I do see some of the folks dialed in who have questions. I uh, think some of these folks do have children, so I am eager to hear uh, their questions or commentary. Uh, Thomas in New York, I think, attempted black father. Did you have uh, questions, comments you wanted to ask, sir? Not. Uh, let's see, are you here? Thomas in New York, are you with us, sir? Yes, can you come back to you, sir? Oh, yes, sir, yes, sir. Uh, let's see, caller in the Bay Area, uh, tempted mom. Did you have questions? Yes. Oh, yes, hi. Hi, um, thanks for answering my call. I have a question. Is, 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 is your son Donovan, is he still in high school? Yes, he's graduating this year. Oh, cool. Did he select the college already, or how is he, or what is he thinking as far as um, what to do next? Um, he was saying that he wanted to go to, uh, what was that, Folsom? Folsom he wanted to go to Folsom University. All right, so um, 11th grade year, my son produced some grades that let me know he wasn't getting ready to graduate on time. So, you know, it, which which had him go to summer school and everything. So I told him. We got some serious work to do this year, you know. So right now it's about goals. What do you want to do? He said, I want to be a beta tester. I said, okay. I said, well, beta testers, Donovan, I mean, I took program writing, and I have a bachelor's in fiber optic engineering. So, you know, the computer work you're talking about means you're going to be doing a lot of reading, all right? So first things first, we got to get busy on the reading, all right? And you go put your goal on that bathroom mirror. Go in, in your bathroom, write it down on a note, put it on your mirror so that's what you focused on every single day. So he put July 15, 2015, you want to be a beta tester. And as of the last uh, nine weeks, I see there's two Fs on his report card. So it's really not looking like um, he's going to uh, graduate on time. But I just had gotten his SAT scores about a month ago, and they look good. Actually. Okay. Okay. I was just wondering because um, I'm listening to you um, speak on him, and um, he sounds like he's fun. But I, I know a lot of teenagers, especially around that age. And I had a daughter. She was a teenager. She's 26 now, but she didn't do as well in school. Um, well, well, not like that, but. She was a problem for me coming up in school because I came up in the same era and um, I raised her completely different than I do my son. Um, and I got completely different results. Uh, yeah. So I was thinking because um, especially since he's more, because um, if you guys compare him to Drake, then he's more in that realm. So I was thinking maybe since he's not um, interested in school like that or maybe Job Corps maybe and then he could pick up a trade and then instead of um, like because boys are different and they don't, they don't listen like a girl would. So if you tell them in a different way how to, if you come at them in a different angle because you already see how he perceives you and um, all the stuff that you have going on with the cows, all this new stuff, because you completely changed 
honor. You're absolutely correct. And I'm so sorry that the guest and you, uh, I'm sorry that everybody is missing a major part of the story. <laughs> um, so let me just throw you on real quick. Um, the, the Christmas break, I got up that morning. Um, he had to go to school that Friday. Christmas break going to begin this Friday. I said, so Donovan, what's your plan for Christmas break, man? What you going to do? Oh, you know, you ain't going to let me play the Xbox One, so, you know, I'm going to just chill, do my thing, I'm going to relax. I said, no, we're going to get up every single day. We're going to read books. We're going to focus on getting you in a full cell. We're going to get your grades right, and we're going to create the proper work ethic for you to succeed and graduate high school on time. I said, okay. So go to school, do your thing, man. And as of Monday, you know what I'm saying, that's what we're doing for your Christmas break. He went to school. And he told the school if he has to go home, he's going to kill himself. His mother called me crying, like, oh, no, she said he's going to kill us. I said, Lisa, I said, our son is lying. I said, you know what, I'm in, I'm in his room right now. I said, I'm packing up all his stuff. I said, this has gotten too dangerous for me. He's involved with white people. They're going to try to lock me up. I'm not going to play that game because I do not have the finances to be fighting white people legally right now over this boy's life. I said, so I'm packing up all his stuff right now. Stop crying. Go get our son. Go to the school. Go grab him. Whatever. Talk about what y'all need to talk about. As soon as y'all done, y'all come straight to this house. I'm going to have all his stuff packed. She came here, got all her stuff, and that was the last time he lived in this house. He's with his mother now. Oh, okay. Okay. Do you guys have more children? No. no. Oh, okay. Okay. Okay, well, that that's all I wanted to ask. Thank you. Okay. Okay. Right on. Appreciate that. Bay Area. Uh, Bay Area caller. Um, I guess even before I get back uh, to Thomas, you had, uh, if, unless I am in error with my memory, uh, you had, you know, been making an effort to do some reading with... Uh, your son beforehand getting him to read some different books with constructive information and having him uh, kind of report give a kind of a verbal summary of, of what he read to make sure he had been reading the material did you do that and how how did all that go he had read 1980 he was reading 1984 mm. um, he read the Malcolm X um, he, he read the uh, Booker T Washington he read the Louis Zambrini autobiography um, he read the Aragon trilogy. I don't know if you know about that, but that's a fiction. That's about dragon riders. And I wanted him to read that because I was kind of trying to explain to him, you know, the, the, the system of racism, and white supremacy. And this book was written by a 19 year old kid, an Italian kid, white kid, basically. And the, the, the top dragon, Sephira, she kind of, she reminds you of the strength of a black woman, you know, and this kid is kind of just like riding this dragon throughout the story. And I was kind of trying to break it down to my son, but he didn't, I wasn't really doing a good job. <laughs> but um, Other books, though, he did really, uh, he did do a really good job at grasping the concept of the Malcolm X, um, the biography of Malcolm X. Um, he did a really good job with the Zamborini book. Um, and with Booker T. You know, that was important, especially him going to Booker T. Washington and not knowing who Booker T. was originally. Um, that was the reason we had him read those books. And by writing, um, along with his reading, 
I feel as though that added to his understanding of how the system worked against uh, Booker T. Washington and Malcolm X. Fascinating. Fascinating. Definitely a good plan. Always try to encourage that. Have you found like any any media materials? I guess you gave us some of the books that seem to resonate a little bit uh, more with him. Um, have you found any uh, anything really? I guess magazines. I know you said uh, when he spoke with Mr. Fuller, they had a, a pretty good conversation about comic books. Have you found any media material, any of the Hidden Colors uh, series or anything else that kind of resonated with him and, and seemed to make uh, more of an impact on his understanding and behavior? No, um, Malcolm X had a big impact on him. It did. I think that he considered him and Malcolm X very much alike. Yeah, he he identified a lot with Malcolm X, and he that was one of the books that I think he enjoyed the most uh, of the um, readings. He learned the most from Malcolm X. Wow. So as far as his hair texture, his hair texture looks exactly like Malcolm X hair texture. Hmm. The conked version or the non-conked version? <laughs> no, the, the, his hair is brown. Oh, okay. But, um, <laughs> Fascinating. Okay. And even that, I think, is, is significant because it, it sounded like your son didn't exactly have an affinity for reading, uh, unless I'm misinterpreting things. Um, Mal- Malcolm X's autobiography is a sizable read. Uh, I think it's close to 500 pages. It's somewhere in there. And if that had a, a impact on him, I've said consistently, I, I don't think it's that we don't enjoy reading or that sort of thing. I think it's just that in the system of white supremacy, most of the time we're not getting books that are relevant for our situation. They're not giving us constructive information about the world that we live in that's going to help us uh, to do better, to improve our situation. Uh, and it's not things that you know really relate to our experience uh, under the system of white supremacy. It's just reinforcing and teaching us how to be victims uh, to maintain the system. But if you know we were getting uh, correct constructive information in the books, I think we would have a totally different relationship to reading. And that seems to evidence uh, my thought about this. Um, we will check in. I think Thomas, he asked if we could come back to him. Thomas, did you need more time or did you want to ask your questions? Um, can I be heard? Yes, sir. Oh, okay. Um, greetings this evening to you, Gus, and to the family, um, and to the gentleman and the lady. Um, you know, you guys are doing a great job on trying to raise a young black kid. As we children myself. Your uh, line is breaking up a little bit. Your line is breaking up a little bit. Is this better? Yes, sir. Okay, yes. Um, I have three children myself. I'm um, having a set of twins. That's 11 and a 14-year-old. Twins? Uh, <laughs> so, um, and, and like you, um, you know, I came into this information late, but um, uh, I came into it probably about, you know, seven years ago. Um, so um, my kids have kind of come up with me, you know, talking. Um, about this stuff, so you know they they kind of um the problem I have is that uh my wife you know she kind of talks against it, you know here he goes again talking about that black people stuff, you know, so they right. kind of make their little jokes, but I make them listen, and um what I do is from what, listening to the show, you know I'm convinced that white people teach their kids about racism at a very young age. And um, there's no way that little, you know, nine and eight-year-old kids could call their teacher a nigger 
and um, they didn't hear it at their house, you know. So I talk um, very negative about white people all the time. That's my thing. Um, so they kind of expect that from me. And they um, kind of, everything that they do and watch, I point out the racism in it. They, you know, make their faces, but they see it. And then they'll come to me sometimes and say, Daddy, I saw this episode. Oh, you got to see this episode of this show because it was so, you know, so they're kind of getting it. Right. And, um, you know, but all I can say is um, good luck with your son. Um, I just had a question as far as his mother. Okay. Um, how does she um, relate to the world as a black woman or as a white woman? Um, Honestly, as a white woman. His mother... His mother is Haitian, so uh, on paper she functions as a black woman. In person, she functions as a white woman. Her father is a white man. When she first, we got together. You know, I'm I'm 17, she's 16. When we first, you know, decided that we were gonna, you know, find interest in each other, her mother, um, Haitian black woman, told her, "Get rid of him." Get yourself a white man, or else your kids are gonna have problems. Well, man. Well, I mean, she, my mother told her right, um, but oh uh, wow, um, <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, her mother, that was the best advice her mother could have gave her. Wow, I mean, so wow. So she was, she had a white father in Haiti. What they sent the UN over there way back then, huh? And they've been no, no. Um, we, my mother brought me here in '94 and, and to oh, Miami. Okay. Yeah, got you, got you. And that, that's oh, so, so you're from Haiti. I'm, oh, she's not. No, no, she's from Haiti. I'm from New York. I came down here oh, from okay. New York. Okay. I got my you. current wife and my ex-wife are Haitian. <laughs> I got you, I got you. No, I'm saying that her white father come from, was that a result of, um, in Haiti, a relationship her mother had in Haiti? I was oh, he was, a, he was I, in the military. He was in the military. Uh, Got you. Okay, yeah, that that was kind of making a facetious joke, you know, because the UN um, has been fathering children over here, especially the Canadians. Matter of so fact, just a little just joke. Some on the website about that. Yeah, they've been doing um quite a job over there, um putting a, a lot of confusion in the in future going to be over there from all these um like Drake kids, you know. Um, okay, I just. Ooh. Um, but anyway, I just, um, my wife's family told me they had an occupation there. Yeah, they had an occupation in Haiti, the American occupation of Haiti, which is when my um, grandfather got kicked off the island for killing two American soldiers. Wow, I had no idea. I'm going to have to look this up. Well, thank you very much. Um, I was just wanted to add that insight that, I mean, I don't know if it's the right thing to do because I'm learning, but I, I try to um, be a, speak as negatively about uh, white people as I can every time. Every day, every time I'm in the presence of my kids, and you know, I think it's work because you know sometimes we can be somewhere and they'll see something and they'll tap me and we'll look and we'll just look at each other like only white people, you know. I mean, some things that only they do, some things only they could get away with, you know. And it's like, don't look at that, you know. And they they're picking up on it young, and I hope it carries over with them. However, you know, they still are, you know. Oh, the egos talking to Gus again, you know, you know, but. Um, I get those same things. So I was laughing when you said that your son said that because my kids say the same thing to me, and I'll mute my line. Thank you. Uh, I recommend, though, before you go, that that all of us non-white parents should figure out 
how to seriously do homeschooling. Because like I said, my, my son is 18, and I recognize um, by trying to tell him the truth at home and then sending him out into eight hours to ten hours worth of lies out there in the world is, is too much confusion for a child to digest. You know, so if we're serious about teaching our children about racism, white supremacy, and its dangers, we should not be sending them into the lion's den until they are seasoned. I say. You know, I totally agree with that. Um, however, one thing I will say, and I'm sorry to cut in, um, that my kids go to um, charter schools here in New York, and I'm not oh. for the charter schools. However, um, like, per se, my 14-year-old, she goes to a different one than my twins. Every year since she's been in that school in the fourth grade, she has to read 60 books to make it to the next grade, and she just gets tested on all 60 of them. So her oh, reading awesome. is phenomenal. And my son, he's, um, you know, already, he's 11, and he's already reading on um, a college degree level. Um, he's oh, uh, awesome. by the city as, um, I think, the second in his whole class level in the whole city in reading. So what I'm saying is, um, you know, I, I like, I, I, I hate to say, you know, I'm for the homeschooling and everything, but these schools right now, and I think they're set up to eventually be for white people as they gentrify, you know, Harlem. But um, right now they're working as far as um, getting these kids prepared for college. Um, and that's all I wanted to say about that. Thanks, Thomas. Awesome. Hearing about uh, young black children reading. That is phenomenal. Reading at a college level uh, that young. Outstanding. No, Thomas is a big fan of Drake as well. Um, let's see. The person that called in last four digits, 3941-3941. Do you have uh, questions, observations for uh, Devin? Norma, you should be with us. Yeah, I, I came in when she was uh, giving the Devin. Could you speak up, sir? Your volume is... Okay, yeah. Hello? Speak up. Just give us a little bit more volume, sir. Can you hear me now? That's better. Should be. Okay. No, I, just, I just came in when she was talking about the uh, empire, you know, where we have barbershop conversations all the time about these, about these kind of things, the effect of them, and uh, why they have these kind of programs on. Because, like I always tell my son, have you ever seen a program where, a black woman and a black man gets along. They always have them at odds one another. They'll turn the kids against us. This is part of the programming, you know. This goes on all the time. But I think, you know, we hear this word white supremacy so much that it almost becomes numb because we need a concrete definition of these words that when we be using them, how to recognize them. There's no way you can get out of it because I've been telling people, I'm 60 years old. My children are all grown. I got grandchildren. I got great grandchildren now. But I've been telling people we fight to normalize our captivity here. We're being held captive. So whatever we do is always going to change the rules. They're going to say it wrong. So not putting your money toward white supremacy, it's impossible not to do. You have to put, use their banks. You got to use their finance companies. You got to use them. I mean, it's impossible for us to get out of it. My thing is being more conscious and aware and how far you want to go into something. You know, like you said, with reading. When my children were young, anytime they wanted school clothes, shoes, I had a bunch of books. I would make them read and write me five-page essays. My oldest daughter, she had the first book published. My second daughter's in the master's program. My son, he went on. He just wanted to be trucked up. But they can all read well. 
They can comprehend what they read. So when they go out in the world, they can see things without me telling them because I used to tell them, what does that mean and how does that what, what does apply to you? And like you were talking about reading books, I think, son, the book The Choice by Samuel Yet, uh, 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 I think that would be a good read and the falsification of the... He's a famous journalist, right? Yes. His, have you ever read his book The Choice? Yeah, I've, I've, I've actually I've heard about him. He's on my list of people to read about. That that would be a good one for your son to read too, because it talks about it in there how they always keep the black male fifty percent when it comes to employment and a hundred percent when it comes to warfare. He says this is all by design, but I think I don't know you and the lady talking. What I what I first heard is. I was glad to hear that both you guys are kind of working together on that because that was hard for me. I had to fight with my children's mother. I had to fight with the grandmothers on both sides. I had to fight with the aunties on both sides because I wanted to give my children a certain kind of direction that they did not want. So it was very And I've seen a lot of brothers go through this. They try and they try and they just throw their hands up because they got too many people to, to fight against. You know, so it's, it's, it's really hard. But this white supremacist thing, I think we need a real strong, concrete definition of that because a lot of things are done in very subtly. And as far as the Job Corps, if you read in the choice, the Job Corps was ran by Sergeant Shriver. And all the Job Corps was, when you sign your child up for the Job Corps, you also signing them up to put them in the military if they need them. Okay. So, yeah, they be real careful about how they come see because it's not. Uh, I talk to Sister Sarazad a lot. And she said something in the 90s, and I think she'd be repeated more. She used the example talking about during the Iran uh, hostage taking, these Americans were held hostage 440-something days. She said 20 years after their release, they were still receiving therapy. We have been enslaved, she said, 440-something years. Nobody received any therapy, therapy. Nobody received any debriefing. They wanted us to act like it just didn't happen. So these kind of... Uh, uh, this, this, this type of thing is, is perpetuated from one generation to the next, and we keep wondering why. Not because we don't have the ability, because I've seen black kids so highly intelligent and black people do things, and I've seen black women with families. I mean, the, the level of uh, skills and stuff they have in their families, but nobody learns, well, how do we get along? I see nobody get, and I see them have all kind of talent, though. But if we keep talking about going to school, well, that's their system now. Because you can't pay these student loans, they're getting ready to put you in these uh, uh, privatized prisons. See, right here where I live in California, they kicked a woman's door in with the Department of Education and the Sheriff Department, telling she was back on her student loan. Mm-hmm. So either way it goes, see, and I, like I said, I keep telling myself, man, do we, do we recognize we are trying to normalize our captivity? We're being held captive, and we don't even know. And everything we do, they keep changing the rules on us. Can I ask you a question? Yes, sir. Uh, because I get in the habit of I leave the house early in the morning, I jump on the train, and I try to speak with individuals your age, uh, white and non-white, but specifically people who are your age who are non-white, I like to ask them, from the time you were a teenager to today, what has changed in the system of racism, white supremacy? Well, I think it's gotten more high-tech. Nothing has changed. It's gotten worse. What I also would tell someone to read, if you haven't read it, the Hegelian dialectic conspiracy. 
because they got three moves they play on us all the time. And if you look at it historically, the same three moves are being played out. You know, they use the term thesis, antithesis, synthesis, which only means problem, reaction, solution. You create their problems, then you go in the media and the news, talk the problem up, then you come solution. Now, I don't know if you guys seen last week or week before last, they put those Nixon papers out. Nixon said, I cannot criminalize them for being young, black, and poor. He said, but what I can do is flood their neighborhood with drugs, and we can raid their homes all the time and use the nighttime news to criminalize them. So, see, they're coming up with all kind of ways. We have world governments, what I've seen, working against us. Now, me personally, I'm not with the people of color. There are black people, and then everything else is them. Because, see, when I talk to biochemists and stuff, they tell me about the blood types, why the hair is straightened. So we have a different, uh, neurologically we're different, physiologically we're different, and biologically we're different. So we keep wanting to be people to be something that they are never going to be. See, we're, they're never going to be. But like I said, my son, now corporal punishment, oh, my son, oh, yes. My daughters never had to touch that. I just tell them. But with a little, I would rather give a little corporal punishment than to, be, to, than to bury them, which I know a lot of people do now. See, they have to bury their kids young. Now, my son is 38 years old now. And my, same age son, age. my son thanks me daily for the things that I, she said, he said, Dad, I used to thought you didn't like me, but now I see what you was preparing me for. I said, look, first and foremost, you have to claim your full manhood. Nothing else is important. If you don't claim your full manhood, you will never be able to produce provide, protect, and secure for family. My son has three boys. He takes care of his son because that's what I told him. I don't care what their mother do. I'm telling you what your duties are. See, a man's duties are different from a woman's duties. So, see, so I always talk. That's why I never taught my son while I teach my daughters. One thing I could say to my mother, if I wish you would say, is I love her so much, and I thank her for giving me the confidence to move on because she explained to me, you know what, baby, I used to whoop your butt because I used to try to break you because you are the one of my boys that are going to make one of these white people kill your black, you know, and she, you know, said the A-word after that. Right. And as she was coming into the end, we we had a conversation because she, see, she saw the transition that I was making. Right. She would hear the conversations that I was having with my older brother. She would hear the radio show that I'm listening to constantly, the cops. So she said, baby, you know, of all my boys, I knew that, you know, you're the one that these white people are, are going to try to kill. And they've been successful in killing any black man that they want. But don't be afraid, and you go ahead, and you do what you got to do, because you are doing the right thing. Well, exactly. And that's okay. the last thing my mother told me. Okay, I asked Hang on a second, caller. We had some other folks that dialed in who had... Uh questions they wanted to get to as well okay. but appreciate your uh, commentary sir and okay. i think this program we do start every broadcast generally with a uh, definition for racism white supremacy to be very clear about what it is we're talking about uh the person that called in uh five six four zero last four digits five six four zero did you have a question uh for uh norma and Devin? you should be with us hi uh good evening gus and good evening to the, the parents greetings greetings um, I wanted to ask, and I'm sorry, I hope this hasn't been asked before, but um, how have, well, it's a two-part question. The first one is, uh, does your son, and I hope you're not offended, I don't mean to offend if I do, but does your son use the N-word with the A at the end, 
Uh, do you know if he uses it around his friends? And I only ask that because I notice a lot of black teenagers, when I'm out in public on the subway or on the bus, they just throw that word around. And they don't care who's around them, whites, blacks, whatever. And it's kind of embarrassing. So that was the first part of my question. I, I don't allow that kind of talk, but, you know, I'm not sure if you're aware of the city of Miami. But um, the city of Miami, where I live, this is where they filmed the first 48. I don't know if you've heard about that show, but it's a very, very tough, tough neighborhood. Um, the kids my son hangs out with, when he's around his friends, I'm sure he's like the N-word with the A. And the other word I hear these kids using nowadays is bruh. Oh, yeah, right. Thank you, thank you. And then the other question is, um, how have you taught your son or your other children to respond to a white person or a non-white, non-black person if they were to call them nigger? Oh, I told, I told my son to ask them what the word means. Ask them what they mean by that word because I told him if anybody calls him that word, then they're being absolutely accurate because the correct meaning for that word and that term is victim of racism. So if a white person calls you that term, then you can explain to them, well, you're being absolutely accurate, sir, because I am a victim of racism, and that's absolutely what that word means. And furthermore, the only reason why that word bothers non-white people is because you white persons have not given it a meaning. Mm, okay. All right. Well, thank you so much, and can you, thank you. Okay. okay. Great. Great. Always great to have uh, codification uh, about terms and words. Uh, I think this is Ross. Ross, did you have questions for uh, Norma? Devin, you should be with us, sir. Uh, yes. Can I be heard? Yes, sir. Yes, All right. Uh, greetings to you guys and um, greetings to the, the guests on the program tonight. Um, I had a couple of questions. My first question is, at this particular stage in your son's development, um, what would you say is his understanding of racism, white supremacy? Um, that is something that is that is dying. That doesn't really affect him. Um, he's coming up with an era of children that believe because Obama was the president that this thing is over. We just got to put in a couple laws to stop white people from discriminating and killing us in the street with their badges. That's that's what the teenagers believe. All right, thank you. And I, I know that you mentioned earlier that um, he seemed to be attracted to, if, if you correct me if I'm wrong, but he seemed to be attracted to the bad boy street lifestyle. Um, I was into the same thing coming up, and I was going to suggest maybe he should watch a documentary called Bastards of the Party by Clebone Sloan, and it really documents the origins of the Crips and the Bloods and basically the origins of those gangs in white supremacy, racism, white supremacy. Okay, great. Well, it's a great, um, great thing for you to do as a, as a parent. And um, uh, my other question was, can you speak to the power that television has on the psyche of black children? Because from listening to the earlier in the discussion, it seemed like um, Empire really had an impact on the way your son was choosing to live his life, um, especially outside of the home. But um, just, can you just speak to that? Because I think a lot of us don't really understand how powerful that, that television can be in shaping your child's consciousness and giving them information that can be highly detrimental to their survival. I'm going to let Devin take this one because he explains this really well. I mean, 
Personally, I think that uh, me and my mother, <laughs> we, we lost our children to the television. My mother used to call it the stupid tube. She'd be like, turn off the stupid tube and go read a book. But um, it, it, it's just something about the way they put it, the programming, that it makes kids addicted more than people are addicted to drugs. You know, um, Dr. Kress recommended a book um, when she was alive. The book was... Um, uh, I can't remember it. Oh, my God. Um, but at any rate, it was talking about Joseph Goebbels and about his propaganda campaign and why uh, the people in Germany accepted, you know, the military machine killing the Jews the way they were. And the reason for that is because of the way they were depicted in the media. You know, and I explained this to my son, and he pretty much wasn't really getting that. I tried to break down to him, look, there isn't a single show on television, let's say, let's use Scandal as an example. There isn't a single show on television where, let's say, Hitler or, you know, there's a president of Germany and, you know, he's married, he has his wife, and his side chick that he just had sex with is a Jewish girl. You don't see a show like that on the television. But when you turn on Scandal, that's what you see in regards to us. So I tried to break down these things to him, but it was like going in one ear and right out the other. All right. I just wanted to say thank you both for answering my questions. I wish you all the best. Um, my son is now 20. He'll be 21 in, in the next few weeks. And um, I thank God he made life really simple for me. He listened a lot, and he, he took the opposite path to the one that, that I did because my wife and I consciously made that decision, decision that uh, we would be the type of parents we need to be in order for him to not have to make the mistakes that I did. So I do wish you all the best, and um, kudos to you for black self-respect as well. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Context of white supremacy. Appreciate that. Uh, Ross, if other folks uh, had questions, feel free to chime in. Is the book, um, I'm confused. I'm trying to, uh, I know Dr. Welsing, she she recommended that we study uh, what happened in Nazi Germany on a pretty consistent basis. I know she dropped quite a few uh, different books that detail uh, what happened during that period of time. Uh, I know one of our listeners, uh, one of the books that they read that was kind of touching on what she talked about with Joseph Goebbels, uh, is it uh, The Jewish Enemy, Nazi Propaganda During World War II and the Holocaust? Is that it, or was it a different book that you were thinking? It was a different one. Okay. If you think of the uh, title, if it comes to you, uh, even if it's down the road after the program, feel free to share, and I'll, I'll share with listeners because I know some of uh, our listeners and students of Dr. Welsing, they really try to make an effort to uh, take seriously what she said about studying what happened in Nazi Germany and uh, relating that to other aspects of racism, white supremacy, and even what's happening to us right now, uh, 20, uh, 2016, this phase of white supremacy, and having that in mind for programs like Scandal, Empire, whatever else happens to be shown uh, in the cinema or on television. Um, oh, okay, I got it. I just pulled the book up. It's with The Destruction of the European Jews. Got it. Writing it down now. Um, let's see. Other uh, questions that I wanted to... I guess make sure I got in. Uh, you talked about uh, your son uh, and the impact of him wanting to be around. Uh, just kind of prove that he's tough, uh, prove his quote-unquote manhood. Um, and I guess some of that drugs, alcohol comes in into 
uh, the equation. Have you had that sort of conversation with your child? I know you said you used to come home. That used to be your way of relaxing. You would come home and do a blunt. Uh, seems like that might have been something that he was aware of. How have you tried to explain? Yeah, uh, so I keep like a, a bottle of scotch or Johnny Walker Black and, you know, in the house. And that, that was pretty much my nightcap. Now, when I started to become codified, I, I hung all of that up. But um, from the first week that he was outside this house, I think that he started to indulge in that. But, you know, I was the type of father that I would come home random with, like, drug tests from CVS and tell them pee in the cup. <laughs> you know, so uh, the, he was real nervous about should he try to smoke marijuana while he was living in this house? But within three days of him being out of this house and back with his mother, he's already on Instagram with his pictures and, you know, it's nothing better than being uh, high and in the crib solo, something like that. He put one of his pictures or something like that. Wow. Is that something that you all have tried to uh, explain uh, how in the system of racism, white supremacy, that that's the type of thing that they want, uh, not just making a lot of money off of us, buying all their poisons and chemicals, uh, but also this can make it easier for them to lock us up, uh, have us enslaved, greater confinement, uh, and just not having our brain computer uh, working optimally uh, to try to figure out the best ways to solve problems. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have. Uh, we've kind of highlighted on it the fact that it's all targeted towards specifically for that purpose to make it harder for him to um, advance himself, to move forward, to make it so that there are more opportunities for the system of racism, white supremacy, for there to be more opportunities for him to be held back or pushed down or however you want to call it. But And I didn't even know, like, um, like I was reading Michelle uh, Alexander's book, and right on chapter four, she says, um, a task force of the American Bar Association described the black reality facing a petty drug offender this way. The offender may be sentenced to a term of probation, community service, and court costs, unbeknownst to this offender, and perhaps any other actor in the sentencing process. As a result of this condition, he may be ineligible for many federally funded health and welfare benefits. You know, and then he, uh, she said that food stamps, public housing, uh, federal education assistance, their driver's license may be automatically suspended, and he may no longer qualify for certain employment and professional licenses. If he's convicted of another crime, um, he may be subject to imprisonment as a, repeat of, as a repeat offender, and he will not be permitted to enlist in the military or possess a firearm or p- obtain a federal security clearance. If, all right, now, if a citizen... He may lose the right to vote. If not, he becomes immediately deportable. Now, Michelle Alexander was pointing out that they try to get kids with this as soon as they turn 18. They try to put them in that trap right there. And a lot of people get these drug charges. They could be at a gas station with a friend, go in, pay for gas, come out. The friend probably was rolling a joint. The police have him hemmed up. The police like, what are you doing? And take him all to jail on a drug charge. And this person was just inside the gas station. I think, folks, we had the clip uh, on the compensatory call-in this past weekend uh, where it was a black male. He said he was in his teens and with his white friends 
They apparently didn't know how to roll the joint, so they gave it to him. And then, coincidence, enforcement officers roll up as soon as he has it in hand rolling, and he gets charged. Nobody else, he gets charged, and how that charge has hovered uh, over him for the rest of his life. Uh, Every time he goes to get a job, they can see that, and talking about how that has now, uh, that's what's prohibiting him from being able to participate in the very lucrative legal uh, cannabis industry that's booming in Colorado and Washington State, looking like it's about to boom in California as well. But absolutely, a uh, deliberate act of racism, white supremacy. And again, I, I think a lot of times we, we're not able to see the full picture of how racists have kind of got this laid out, what this is going to look like for the next 10, 20, 50 years of our life. A lot of times we're just not thinking uh, in those terms about all of this. And they know that. They already know that when they go to, to do these type of things. Um, the person uh, that dialed in, and I think that was even a part of what, again, I've said this before, I think that was even a part of uh, some of these cases that were involving young black people, Renisha McBride, Trayvon Martin, uh, Michael Brown, where they were talking about either cannabis use or hinting uh, at cannabis use and alcohol, how that factored into some of these cases. Uh, The person that dialed in from a blocked number, uh, did you have uh, questions you wanted to get in as well? Uh, Yes. Can you hear me? Yes, ma'am. Yes, I just wanted to say that um, for those kids that have been convicted of those minor drug offenses, they should really try to get their records expunged because even if you have a conviction um, after a number of years in many states, you can um, apply for an expungement. And I know in the state of New Jersey, they have an organization called Volunteer Lawyers for Justice. Um, that organization was set up by um, Senator Cory Booker. Uh, it is staffed by the law firm of McCarter and English. And um, I will say that they do a lot of expungements for drug offenses so that it would never, you know, affect you. Um, so you may, you know, I would hope that young people that find themselves in those predicaments could take advantage of that. So because once you get the case expunged, then when you fill out a job application, if they ask you if you've ever been arrested or convicted, you can legally say no because the record should be gone. Um, uh, The other thing is I just wanted to mention to the family who indicated they had a son who had, you know, was dealing with marijuana personally and they were having a hard time, I would just recommend that, um, you know, there's a Neely Fuller Jr., a lot of his videos, are on, you know, it's something called Think Music. I don't know if you're familiar with that, Gus. Think Music. And they have music in the background and Neely Fuller's words. And I found that my kids wanted to listen to it after they heard the music. They wouldn't listen to the compensatory, you know, um, the cows. They wouldn't listen to anything until... They said, oh, wow, this music is really cool. And now they're starting to listen to this program you know, because you referenced Neely Fuller, and, you know, Neely Fuller has a very, very eloquent voice. And when you put the music behind it, it really gets their attention. So that might be a, a suggestion. And I'll mute my line. Thank you, Gus. I just wanted to comment on that. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I remember when I was uh, 16, 17, 18, I, I thought that I was the baddest dude on the planet. I thought that I had all the answers. I thought that my mother didn't know what she was talking about. And you know what? Even on a windy day, the apple cannot fall far from the tree. You know, my son is is much the same way, I believe. And um, 
and the way of Nilly Fuller, he's, he knows Nilly Fuller. He's spoken with him, you know, several times. And my son is, is at that time of life where he believes uh, what he thinks is the correct thing, what everybody else is saying is incorrect. Well, my son didn't want to listen to Neely Fuller's tapes. He, I mean, he would hear it, but he really wasn't interested until one day I started playing the music. I just played it around the house and the, and the words. And then he got interested because at first, you know, he was kind of um, not interested. So it was only suggested. Thank you, sir. Okay. And good luck with okay. your son. Thanks a lot. Okay. I'm going to check it out. For sure, I am uh, familiar with the Think Music. It's a YouTube channel, I believe. Uh, I am familiar with his work, and uh, I think he's heard a program of the cows or two. But yeah, I think that was uh, his purpose uh, in putting the content together in that manner uh, that uh, some people who might not listen uh, to just someone talking about racism, white supremacy under normal circumstances, if you could put some uh, music to it that they might you know, find interesting, that might catch their ear, that they might be more receptive uh, to hearing the content. I think that was exactly their purpose and maybe even to get some younger people uh, interested and, and to uh, catch on to counter-racism uh, with some younger folks. So uh, that was seems like at least it worked in that situation. It might work with some other folks. But yeah, it's right on YouTube. Uh, think Music. Think Music. And I think it's the music is with a Z. Think Music. Um, I'll post it on the Facebook page for folks to check it out. Um, I guess the, the with the records being expunged portion, uh, absolutely uh, excellent recommendation as well uh, for folks that can be very helpful if you can get that uh, removed. Uh, I guess the only thing, because we are still in a system of, of racism, white supremacy, I know uh, NPR, they did a report, uh, with it was this year, it was within the last month or two, uh, where they were talking about black people. Uh, they were in a southern state, I believe it might have been Arkansas, shout to uh, first black president Bill Clinton, former governor. Um, but they were talking about how uh, these black people had these drug charges and they were trying to get <clears throat> their records expunged, get their voting rights back. Some of the privileges that you were talking about in Michelle Alexander's work that she outlines that you can lose all of these things. Uh, and they were trying to get their voting rights restored and what have you. And the system of racism was so arbitrary that they had two black people. They had the exact same charge. One of them, they got their rights restored. One of them didn't. And it was just, you know, because I said so, basically, like why this person did and this person did not get their rights uh, restored. And that's kind of what we're dealing with in the system. Plus, even the blackmail that I referenced in that uh, report from this past weekend where he got uh, the cannabis charge. And now he's got that on his record uh, hanging over his head when he goes into employment or what have you. Uh, they, they brought that up specifically in the interview and asked him, well, hey, have you tried to get it expunged? And he said, yes, I have. And no, I cannot uh, get it expunged. I've tried. I cannot pay any money. It's not anything that I can do to get this off. It's just going to be there uh, until I die. That just within the system of racism, white supremacy, it Unfortunately, they can be very arbitrary about that sort of thing. And even even sometimes just it can be financially. They can make it very difficult where they can say, yeah, you can't get it expunged, but it's going to cost you, you know, X amount of dollars uh, for some folks. They have it. Some folks, they don't. Uh, it just uh, it can be a variety of problems that they can cause uh, around that sort of thing to just make it difficult for you, not just for a couple of days or a couple of months, but for like years, uh, making it very, very difficult in dealing with that sort of thing. And again, that's by design. That's all a part of the racist structure of this. Um, Nowadays, too, guys, um, jobs are not looking at your record, uh, just you, as far as your conviction record. Jobs are, are denying you based off of your arrest record now. 
So if you just simply been arrested, that's enough to not give you a job. Not surprised. Not surprised at all. I would even say, since you mentioned that about uh, the social media post he was on Instagram, man, Dr. Mm-hmm. Kanban says that all the time. Uh, if you are looking to do anything constructive, he said, I would delete all of those social media accounts because I know that's something else that employers uh, are looking mm-hmm. at uh, what type of pictures and photographs and posts uh, that you have online. That's something, and I know that's we talked about this from the my wife over direct TV. Someone just got fired from my job from an Instagram post. Mm-hmm. 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 That we've been talking about that from the context of whites getting in trouble, uh, making some sort of racist comment on Twitter or Instagram or whatever it is, and then it catches on, it goes viral, and then they have to do all this fake apologies and what have you and getting transferred from a job and have to do a press conference and all that and pretend they got some Negro friends. Uh, for black people, man, I would really, really try and encourage that to your children, uh, that that sort of stuff, number one, it can stick. Uh, I mean, you would be surprised. Uh, photos and things that you post online, it can be there five, ten years later. You never know who has shared it or downloaded or took a screenshot. Uh, what you put up, if it's got your real name uh, on it or if it's got a photograph of you, really encourage that that sort of thing can have long-term and really devastating ramifications for you as a black person in the system of white supremacy. You never know what you might want to do 10, 20 years down the road, what type of certifications or what type of employment field that you're in. Uh, You might want to do something where you need some uh, serious government clearance and they do some sort of extensive background check on you. That stuff can hang around and cause a lot of problems. So I would really encourage you don't want to be posting anything that sounds like you might be encouraging uh, illicit behavior, drugs, anything like that. Uh, It could really come back to cause a major pride. And I think white people are doing much uh, better work in terms of getting their children to understand this early. Uh, again, thinking long range, not just the next five, ten days or five months. Thinking 20 years ahead, 50 years ahead uh, in terms of how this is going to impact you for the rest of your life. Um, again, folks, if you all have questions, feel free to uh, dial in if you uh, have other questions you want to ask. Uh, Can I again. Yes, sir. Go ahead, Thomas, in New York. Yes, um, yeah. Also, what they use is um, your credit record. You know, um, in 2008, I went for a job at a law firm, and um, they um, hired me. Then I got a letter in the mail saying, um, you know, oh, no, we can't hire you because of your credit report. And they sent the credit report, and it was a bunch of stuff that wasn't me, so I cleared it up, and I sent the stuff back, and I got the job. But they use your credit report as well. And another mm-hmm. thing I wanted to um, say to the to the family um, that that's raising the young man, um, that I, you know they live in Miami Dade County, um, you know um, it's pretty what they would call hood. Um, you know I I've been a few places around the country, and I noticed that everywhere where black people live, the same things happen, and a lot of the things that you're saying that your son is going through. I mean, it's it's bad, but it's a uh, black kid going through much worse right now. I mean, he's you know he still has a chance to go to school and everything. So I think that y'all probably need to just um, work with it where it is, you know, because you know yeah, in that environment until you can get them out of there, maybe and away to college or something. In that environment, it, it's just going to be that same spiral. Um, I mean, I, I could talk from you know growing up in the same neighborhood type you know environment. And it's going to, you know, I mean, very few people um, 
made it out. And when they made it out, it was, you know, when they were in high school, you know, they were like the college and, you know, they, they did the right thing. But, um, you know, a few people who stay in that environment um, are going to make it out. They're going to be smoking weed every day, you know, go and hang out with their boys. And then, you know, before you know it, um, they, they might end up with a little record or something and they can't get a job. So then they're going to be selling drugs, you know, or doing something worse. And it's going to be a downward spiral. So I would say, you know, just focus right now on trying to get him away from where you guys are, you know, uh, maybe in another environment, you know, a college campus, maybe that inspired him to do something else. Because in that environment, it's going to be, you know, the same, you know, thing, especially with him now living with his mother, who seems to be a lot more weird. Um, it's a lack of rules, you know. I mean, pretty soon you're going to be coming home drunk once, and, you know, it's going to be a... Uh, every weekend thing. I mean, it, I've, I've seen it happen, it's, you know, happen to me. I mean, it's happened to all my friends. I mean, so I would just say, you know, right now, you know, I'm just, you know, keep it, keep it fix up the grades and try to get him, you know, how hopefully a way to a, a college or a university somewhere to pull him out of that environment to let him see something else, to experience other things, um, or maybe the same things, but, you know, in another environment where, uh, he could learn from those things as opposed to just being a victim of those things because that's where eventually is going to happen. And um, that's all I wanted to say. I agree. That's, that's a very good uh, suggestion, uh, I think, as well. And as you were speaking, I, I kind of was reminded of another uh, critical turn that our relationship had taken because at one point he understood that me, my wife, my mother, we were actually, you know, working together uh, for, you know, his, his betterment. And he really didn't try too much to turn us against one another or to deceive us or to lie to us. Uh, but he began having sex when he was um, 17. Now, um, this is something I didn't figure out about until, you know, three weeks after the fact. Um, I Forget how it came out, but it had came out. And, you know, when I found out about it, apparently his mother knew about it. Um, my brother knew about it. And none of them had come at me and let me know what was going on. Now, um, again, I came here in 94. When I came here in 94, Dade County was number one in AIDS as far as teenagers are concerned. Number one. And we're still in the top three. In 1994. So I was very, very upset with my little brother, with my ex-wife. I said, why didn't you guys tell us if you didn't want me to tell Donovan? Then you should have just let me know. And, I mean, the proper thing to do, the correct thing to do is to send him to the clinic. Go get a test. You know, so yeah, I just kind of hung up the phone on them, you know, talked to my son. I said, tomorrow morning when you get up, you going to the doctors, you're going to get a test and you know, just what you got to do. And I explained to him, gave him the whole rundown. And I'm like, did you use a condom? He was like, yeah, you know, but I, I didn't really believe him, but you know, he said he did. But, um, once he figured out that he could turn adults against each other or that adults were willing to keep secrets uh, for him, that, that, that was a, another major turn in our relationship. But those, you know, those are the things that all kids do. I mean, at 17, 18, you know, some younger. I mean, that that's just the normal thing. They got the cool uncle they can go talk to about it. 
you know, your dad's never cool. I mean, that that's just, you know, normal. I mean, uh, I would say that's just normal. Um, I, and also, um, I think that, you know, being that age, there's a lot of peer pressure as well. And um, right. peer pressure, I mean, you're 30, I'm 38 as well. So, you know, the peer pressure we dealt with. And so you can now imagine the peer pressure when it just pops up on your phone every 10 seconds. Right. I mean, you're, you know, so, you know, you have to give them a little bit of leeway, too. These kids today are growing up a little bit faster. I mean, I mean, you know, we had to sleep Playboy magazine. They can just Google it, porn site they want. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, 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 they know things faster. Everything is happening faster. So you have to weigh in the technology. And I think, um, you know, um, let him make a little bit of mistakes, you know, maybe try to be his friend because you're, you're stepping, you know, in. In a, in a way where he's trying to play you again. I mean, I was playing my mother against myself. I mean, uh, we was doing that before. You said, you know, mm-hmm. we used to read the playbook. He was staying up all night, you know, I guess, masturbating to, you know, his internet porn. And when I figured that out, I kind of, I took the laptop. And, you know, that that, that was more beef right there. You can't mess with the man and his. I mean, come on, man. I mean, you were that age before. You wish you had had the access to the to the internet like that. You could just Google anyone. Rihanna, you pop up like whatever. Sex. I mean, this is this is modern era. You know, you gotta you gotta um, you know kind of conform. I, I mean, I know that I can't raise my kids the way that my mother raised me. You know, uh, my mother's a school teacher. You know, I remember I went to school with her. I got in trouble in class. The teacher took me to her classroom. I mean, you know, <laughs> I mean, you couldn't get away with nothing. I mean, you know, so, I mean, I think that, you know, that that real strict parenting today, um, I think it's a lot of explaining. You know, like, I, I try to explain things more so than, than being strict, you know? Know, I tell them, I just try to, you know, t- talk to them in that way, and let them see it for themselves. But um, I, I think that I was you way too hard. I was way yeah, too hard. That, that was that was man. Oh man, I wouldn't talk to you for a long time, man. You know, took away my my, you know, and internet is these kids' life. I mean, so I, I mean that's my punishment piece. You know, when my kids are in trouble, I take away the the devices or I turn off the Wi-Fi. I mean, that's my East in the hole, you know, that that gets everyone listening. When you say it, why fire off? Oh, wait, 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 daddy. You know, like, but I just think that, um, man, um, you got to give them just a little bit of leeway because look at their environment that, you know, he's being raised, but to no fault of his own and or yours. I mean, we're putting the situations we're in. You know, I live in Harlem. It's being gentrified. I wish I could live in a very nice, you know, area. But, unfortunately, I have to raise my kids here in the city, you know, where it's all buildings, there's no houses. Nothing like where I grew up in Jersey, which was way worse, I think. But, you know, at least we had houses and, you know, you know, it's, it's none of that here. You know, it's no, no stoops to sit on or stuff like that. Um, so it's trying to raise my kids here. Uh, I get them a little bit. I understand the technology. I understand the mindset. Is a little bit different today. When I look at the kids, they're dealing with things we never had to deal with. I mean, imagine going to school and having a transgender bathroom. I mean, we never had to think of no stuff like that when we grew up. I mean, so I think that you got to give them a little bit more leeway because they know a little bit more than they think they know. 
Yeah, that was a big mistake I made. I, I learned what was correct and what was incorrect, and I thought that everybody in the house could keep up with me, and, and I, I caused conflict with my wife and my son, to tell you the truth. And um, I expected him to to adapt uh, to the things that I was learning as quickly as I was. And I really wasn't being realistic about it. I thought that because, you know, he was coming into um, young manhood, you know, he knew the difference between correct and incorrect that, that he could follow me. Um, but I wasn't taking into consideration that he was trying to test out his, his little uh, ways of being deceptive or ways of just doing what he want regardless of what people were saying and I was totally ignoring that. Um, I used to try to um, bribe him. I remember one day I, was, I just woke everybody up in the house. I said, man, what do you want? What do you want? So I want an Xbox. I took everybody out of the house. We went down to the GameStop. Uh, I bought my wife a PS4. I bought my son an Xbox One. I said, all you got to do, man, is just bring me home B's and C's and you can keep it, okay? And, you know, he, he started bringing me home D's and F's. So I took the Xbox. And then next was the, was the laptop. And then, you know, it just was, was going downhill from that. If other folks uh, have questions, you should get your hand up now. Don't lollygag uh, if you have things you want to ask uh, Norma, Devin. Um, did you uh, give your child, I know you, you talked about uh, different aspects of codification and being real explicit if uh, he was ever called a nigger, what to do, what to say uh, in response to that. Did you give him uh, a code with regard to uh, how he should treat black females since, you know, he's sexually active and dating. Did you give him a code uh, for a that? A code of, of how... I'm sorry, you broke up a little bit, Gus. Could you repeat that? Yes, sir. A code in terms of uh, the type of behavior that he should exhibit towards black females and then codification about uh, white women uh, and your stance on sexual intercourse with whites. Did you give him a code to, uh, detailing all of that? Yeah, I I told him about, um, we were standing at a bus stop one day, actually. It was me and actually we were standing at the, at the train. And um, I was standing there. I don't know how this occurred, but I just listened to, I think, one of your shows. And, and on that particular show, I think we were talking about how white people just come up and put their hands on your kids whenever they feel like it. You know, and... Um, I don't know. See, my son is real light compared to me. So unless you're really looking at his facial expressions and looking at mine, you won't really know that's my son unless you say, oh, wow, they, yeah, they look exactly alike except the skin color. You know, so this white woman, I guess, thinking this little light-skinned kid is by himself looking like a, a young man, you know, just starts putting her hands on his collar. I said, excuse me, I just snatched her hand off my son. <laughs> you know, and she was like, I said, don't touch my child. She said, oh, I'm so sorry. I said, no, ma'am, you're not sorry. I said, don't put your hands on my child, period. Okay, and then she walked in a different direction, and then my son was kind of taken aback because in his mind, I, I shouldn't be so forceful and mean to a white person. He was like, Dad, why were you so mean? I was like, Donovan, I mean... You know, I was kind of already heated, so I kind of just let him have it. 
raw. I said, you know, white people think they run the world, man, and you're a part of that world. You know, white people think they can come up and just put their hands on you and start dealing with you like you're a little animal. Oh, you're so cute. And I said, yeah, man, you're not a little stray puppy dog in the middle of the street. I won't accept you being treated like one by anybody, white, black, purple, green, whoever. And said, so that's why you notice my attitude changed real quick. Because as a matter of fact, I was having a, a conversation with somebody else about something constructive, and I noticed that out of the corner of my eye. But, of course, we instill in him that if he is going to have a relationship with um, anyone, that having a relationship with a non-white female would be the best option for any victim of racism, white supremacy. Um, living in Miami, it's kind of hard to keep that mindset instilled in your child, um, especially when what's thrown in their face every day by advertising, by um, everything, really, when you step foot on the bus and the train is all about the white girl. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it's hard to tell him, don't trust the white girl if white girl's being thrown in his face all the time. You know, and, and the the, paint, the picture that's being depicted of black women, especially here, is that we're all ghetto, ratchet, and loud, in their words. Okay, so, yeah, we tell him, you know, the black queen, she's your greatest resource, she's your greatest strength, she's your greatest uh, pillar to lean on. And, at the end of the day, though, um, he doesn't believe it. He gets caught into the illusion of the white man. Pretty common. I've said that before. The the system of white supremacy as a as a black parent. Um, your efforts, uh, phenomenal though they may be. I think even one of our previous guests, uh, when he was on the program, I think this was 2011, and he was talking about all these different things that he had done, exposing uh, his children to counter-racist information and positive black role models, male and female, uh, doing great things and using correct language and showing lots of respect, trying to be constructive and helpful on how they deal with other black people. Uh, and just recognizing within this system they're just going to be bombarded uh, with white supremacy programming, racist signals uh, constantly, whether it's television, radio, school, other friends, white people that they're around, other victims that they're around, that it can be extremely challenging. And even if you are getting through, uh, you'd be surprised sometimes, uh, or maybe it shouldn't even be a surprise, that even if you are getting through and they uh, understand what it is that you're telling them uh, that the system of racism, white supremacy can and often does, does a very successful job at just totally erasing those lessons and putting the racism, white supremacy programming right back in so that they're functioning as though you had never done all that effort to begin with. It is, it is kind of a, a constant effort uh, of instilling that information. A lot of patience, a lot of patience, uh, just understanding what we're dealing with. Uh, and I think even as some of our previous guests have said, planting seeds, that even if they are seeming as though they're rejecting this information or they just, you know, are disagreeing with you, they're going to do whatever, that if you're giving them correct information, I think even Thomas was saying, giving correct information about what it means to be white, these are our enemies, that if you get this information to them, that it might be some time down the road, Oh, yeah. Dad, Mom, they were telling me about this. Now I get it. Maybe I didn't get it at first, 
But now I get it. I understand what they're saying, and they're functioning in a correct manner. Um, other folks, like have- I found out late, and so did my mom. You know, mm-hmm. like my mom, her, which she thought was her boyfriend, was was a white dude, and you know, this guy was you know about twenty years her senior. She died at sixty-four. You know, so basically, you already know what time it was when he was twenty. Or when he was 40 and my mother was 20, you know, but um, she kind of got it about, I would say, the last 60 days of her life because, you know, all the calls are coming in. We got family from Australia. My aunt is the mayor over there in Melbourne, Australia. So all of, everybody's calling us constantly, and the guy is one of these calls. And she tells him what's going on. He comes out here to see her and she figures out that he wants to have sex and (laughs) And the way that she illustrated it to me is that's all he wanted was for her to be his piece you know so that goes to show you in the system of racism white supremacy the person that you call loving uh, being white you being non-white you should Definitely protect yourself. Look into that situation, that relationship, if you are in that tragic arrangement. I mean. Tacky. (laughs) Tacky. That's about as good as it's going to be. Extremely (laughs) tacky. um, And trashy. Um, (laughs) To check in, uh, if folks have anything they want to make sure they get in before uh, we allow Norma and Devin to enjoy the rest of their Monday evening, I wanted to ask both of you, um, like what, what's the biggest change, I guess you see personally within yourself, uh, since you all have been, uh, learning, getting a better understanding of white supremacy. Um, if folks have questions, they want to make sure they get in, you should get your uh, hand up now so we can get your uh, question in. But, uh, I guess I'll start with Norma. Just, uh, what, what has been the biggest change you've seen in yourself since you've been getting this information? Well, the biggest change, um, I used to be extremely combative and not uh, really holding back in my uh, combat with non-white people specifically um, when it comes to this subject. The biggest change that I've seen is the lack of that that competition now. I don't combat non-white people anymore when it comes to the system of racism and white supremacy. I listen now, okay, so that I understand the confusion or so that I can gain clarity to come to some sort of realization. You know, um, my whole thing is everything that we've been doing so far um, has clearly not worked because we're not outside of a system of racism, white supremacy. We're still governed by a system of racism, white supremacy. So anything really that I can learn from anyone just by listening and not combating with people, to me, is gold. Is gold. Okay, and... I've also learned to stop uh, downing other people's theories before I get a chance to hear them out. I I had the same situation that happened with Dr. Francis Cress-Welsing of not liking her work because of nothing, really, um, with Neely Fuller. You know, I gave a lot of pushback to Devin in the beginning of all of this, of our journey together. And it's not something that's easy to do together with your partner, okay, but... Be patient. 
Devin's been really patient with me with it, you know, and that's helped a lot as well. I don't know if your question. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Devin, same question to you, sir. Um, <clears throat> I've become a lot more patient. And um, growing up in the streets, I've kind of developed a, a survival uh, instinct and mindset. And those individuals that kind of didn't want to roll while playing, I kind of uh, forced them to. And that's, that's the way that I have been with my children, with my wife, with my family, with my brothers. And uh, becoming codified has let me know that and showed me that I don't actually need to be forceful with anyone. And um, I really need to be patient, period. Um, because rushing, I could miss some very, very important details. And um, I've really learned um, what respect is. I know that there is no such thing as me um, disrespecting anybody. I know I can be discourteous uh, to someone, but I recognize that uh, thanks to uh, Queen Mother Dr. Crest, the only true respect is self-respect. And I understand self-respect is the refusal to lie to oneself. Um, that's absolutely the improvement I've made in my life as I do not lie to myself anymore. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> not lying to yourself, black self-respect, patience with other black people. Great, great principles. Uh, hopefully all of us are, are learning, applying and, uh, increasing, uh, as we move through our journey and getting a better understanding of, Racism, white supremacy. Uh, any of the folks that uh, had a hand up have any any questions? Uh, they want to make sure they got in uh, before uh, we allow Devin Norma to enjoy the rest of their Monday evening. I assume folks uh, are satisfied. And Gus, make sure you share our email address with Roz and Back of the Bus. They always have some real constructive questions and stuff on the show, and we really would like to keep in contact with them as well. Oh, for sure. For sure. I will do that uh, as soon as we get uh, off the air, I guess if, uh, yeah, I'll just, I'll forward it along so they'll have it um, once we get off the air. Thoroughly, for sure, for sure. Thoroughly enjoyed uh, hearing from the both of you. Uh, again, uh, we should have other programs where we have uh, either parents or people who this is something that they really focus on in terms of <clears throat> information uh, for black parents, uh, both from the school aspect, uh, really encouraging homeschooling, or just if you are going to have your children uh, going off to school, some of the things that you can should be doing uh, to try to neutralize racist influence if you're going to be going that route, uh, and other ways that you can be uh, trying to just give your child as much constructive information as possible, uh, understanding that a war is being waged against us so that they understand that and are making uh, the best decisions possible uh, to keep themselves safe uh, so that they can be doing as well as possible uh, under conditions of white terrorism. Uh, again, thank both of you. I know it sometimes is not... 
the most enjoyable subject matter, uh, reflecting on yourself and talking about your personal experience with racism and especially something so intimate and, and how you are, are raising your child and uh, what's been difficult, what's been challenging, that sort of thing. But I definitely think it's uh, important uh, for us to be talking about this sort of subject matter and sharing what has been difficult, what's worked. Uh, just sharing that sort of information with other parents is, is outstanding. So definitely thanks to the both of you. And again, just cannot emphasize enough, in my view, phenomenal illustration of uh, black self-respect uh, after the death of your father to be in today using your time and energy to exchange views on racism, white supremacy is just uh, absolutely phenomenal. Uh, my condolences to the both of you and your family uh, time of you all grieving and dealing with this loss. Uh, and just definitely uh, our prayers and thoughts go out to you all and your family at this time. And if you, uh, anything we can do, let me know. Uh, we will try to be as helpful as possible. And certainly you all have an invitation if you want to come back down the road and uh, share, give us an update or what's happened let us know. Well, Gus, man, thanks a lot. Uh, we want to give you guys a book recommendation. We bumped into this one on mistake. Mm-hmm. It's called The Black Count by Tom Reese. And it's actually telling the true story about the Count of Monte Cristo and the Three Musketeers. It talks a lot about uh, Haiti. The Black Count. A lot to do with Haiti in the slave trade. The Black Count, Tom Reese, R E I S S. The Black Count. R E I S S. The Black Count. Amazing book. Hmm. Wow, I will put that on my uh, list right now. I want to uh, check out. I think Dr. Welsing, I can hear her voice again. Reading is more important. Than watching television, uh, definitely. Download that app, uh, Overdrive. We're going to send you our, our card information so that you can access our, our Miami library. Oh, outstanding. Outstanding. Yeah, oh. that app, Overdrive, lets you get any, any book you want. Wow. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> it's outstanding. Yeah, I super appreciate that. If I can uh, put my hands uh, on a copy, if I can download a copy of uh, the Black Count, then I'll share. I'll just post it on the Facebook page, uh, so folks can check it out as well. If you uh, you all are interested in reading, but uh, I'm going to see if I can nab that one right now online. Uh, I will let folks know. Again, we should be here on Thursday. Uh, we should have. <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, oh, got it. EPUB. I will post it online so folks, you all can download it yourself. <laughs> um, we'll be here. We'll see you on Thursday, man. Have a blessed evening. Oh, you too, for sure. Both of you as well. And thank you again for sharing your time uh, with us this evening. It has been a real pleasure. All right. Good night, family. Good evening. Good evening. Uh, just again, we'll be here Thursday, uh, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. Uh, it is Justine Turner uh, again now. I thought she was a white woman. She says she's a black, excuse me, she says she is a black father uh, and a white mother. Uh, and she says that she actively identifies as a, I guess, mulatta. That was the term that she used. Uh, but she should be here with us uh, on Thursday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. 
Pacific. Uh, we'll be looking forward to talking about the film Racism in Canada. I know our listeners in Canada, hopefully they'll be able to uh, chime in and discuss the content, see what she has to share. I guess kind of keep that in mind again. You can, And I'll post the link so you can see what she looks like online. But to me, she definitely, if she hadn't said anything, I would have just said, oh, okay, I'm talking to a white woman. Uh, just conducted uh, things in that manner. She, again, she says she constantly makes sure that people knows that she has a black father. She even insists that some of the people, or I guess a significant number of people who see her, white and non-white, they see her, and just based on her uh, facial features, they think that she has, you know, like a black parent or some uh, black ancestry or what have you, just based on uh, her facial features and what have you. Whatever. <laughs> you can you can see her picture online and come to your own conclusions. Like I said, she should be here on Thursday, so I'm looking forward to checking it out. I'll have uh, seen her documentary film by then, uh, so I'll be able to uh, give some comment insight from that as well. But I'll be looking forward to hearing from them uh, this coming Thursday. Uh, I will post the link, uh, the female caller who shared about Think Music. I'll post the link uh, on my Facebook page for that as well. Uh, and that way you all can go... <clears throat> to the YouTube channel uh, and check that out. I think a lot of constructive content. He has a lot of different sound clips from uh, Mr. Fuller down through uh, the years. Uh, folks think that would be uh, constructive and maybe appeal to some younger people uh, might be a way to expose them to counter-racist concepts. Uh, with that, any anything else folks want to make sure they got in before we wrap things up? The folks that dialed in who had a hand up? Uh, yes, I just wanted to say um, my condolences to you and your family on your loss. Um, Again, this just speaks to your dedication, and I would just mirror what Gus said earlier. Just be patient with your son. Um, there's gonna there's gonna come a time where something's going to happen in his life where everything will click. He's just at that age, like Thomas said. Just be a little patient with him. Um, allow him to make some errors, but still just be as supportive as possible, and he will definitely come around. He he doesn't sound like he's anybody's idiot. He sounds like he's a highly intelligent young man. So I believe. Um, hopefully it won't have to be any sort of extreme negative experiences, but he will have a life experience that will trigger a memory where he'll say, hey, my dad and my mom really talked to me about this. I need to sit down and have that discussion. Um, just give him time. Matter of fact, um, Ivan Van Sertema talked about the same thing with his brother, um, where his brother used to basically totally disrespect him when he would talk about racism, white supremacy. And um, I believe he said his brother lived in England. Um, and at one point he had, he had gone through such intense racism, white supremacy, that he literally came to Dr. Van Sertema crying and apologized to him for um, being so disrespectful because he realized that he was leagues ahead of him as far as his understanding of the system and what it meant to be white. So just give him time. He'll come around, and I wish you and your family all the best. Uh, may the ancestors lift you up and continue to carry you. And be aware that your, both your parents are with your son as well. So, so they might trigger that understanding in him to make him come and have that conversation with you and all the best to you and your family much love and blessings to you well said well said uh, anything else folks want to get in everybody the last thing I want to say is um, a lot of a lot of school racism um, headlines this week already um, just a lot of stuff in high school and colleges just racism Benefit amongst these young white kids, so um, that that's also weighs into a lot of this too. Mm, absolutely, constant thing. That again, that's one of the things that I would definitely recommend um, use. 
those types of events, and there's so many of them, just not only to show the dangers of the little whites, uh, white children that are around, uh, so that we're not, you know, thinking that, oh, they're cool, we hang out together, and, you know, we've been in school together since sixth grade or whatever, uh, to just showing the dangers of them, uh, but also just making sure that this is on their level. I think sometimes uh, younger people, and even older people, think of, of racism as, you know, black and white films. This is back in, you know, Martin Luther King Day, Malcolm X's Day. This is way long ago. Rosa Parks took care of all this stuff uh, to be able to show them that, no, this is right now, and this is happening to black children, uh, not just something that older people are dealing with on a job or what have you, but this is happening to people your age just when they're trying to go to school, uh, get their education, uh, black children at 10, 12, 13, 14. I think that can be effective as well, particularly when you can show this regularly. This is not a one-time aberration thing. This is an everyday, uh, all-across-the-world thing that is happening constantly and the different ways that it's being manifested, whether it's coming from the white teachers, the white students, all of the above. Uh, just use that as a means to try to, to make sure that they're understanding, yeah, this is a problem for me and I should be prepared uh, to deal with this. Hopefully you won't have to, but much better to be prepared uh, so that you know what to do, how to handle this, and not be surprised as opposed to being totally caught off guard, stunned, and, and not really knowing the best way to deal with things. Uh, with that, uh, I did get that book uh, that was mentioned, The Black Count. Uh, I will post the link uh, on my Facebook page. You all can just check uh, the next few minutes or so. It should be there. Uh, Facebook.com forward slash the problem is white people. I'll put it in the cows group as well, but that's uh, my uh, Facebook page. Also, you can uh, check it there as well. Again, we should have other information on uh, the parenting aspect, attempted black parents. We should have more on that coming uh, this month. So folks can just stay tuned if you think this is an important uh, subject matter to address. This might be another one that I would compare and contrast in terms of how excited uh, people get frequently to discuss area eight and sexual intercourse uh where people don't tend to get as excited uh in talking about uh parenting under racism white supremacy and i certainly think uh that this is super important uh to discuss particularly as many folks who listen to this program or even those who don't who do have children i uh, think that is uh something that is hugely important that we certainly need to be discussing and it's just it's so many layers that it touches on what happens in the classroom and how you try to share this information uh, about racism and how you try to get them to be codified and understanding the dangers that are out there. It's just it's so many things uh, to discuss uh, that I think we should certainly be as serious and as enthused uh, about this subject matter as we are about Area 8. But, oh well. Uh, thanks again for the folks who dialed in, asked questions. Hope it was a constructive investment of your Monday evening. Uh, we should be here at minimum. We'll be here on uh, Thursday. Uh, we might be back before then. And the book club, new book uh, Friday, if folks want to get a hard copy. I don't think you'll have too much difficulty finding uh, Harriet Washington, Medical Apartheid. That is a very popular uh, book. Uh, it tends to be at most of the uh, library. If your library is worth anything at all, they likely will have uh, a copy of Medical Apartheid, so you should be good to go if you want to have a copy in hand this is a long book uh we will be on this this is like uh the half has never been told long like we'll probably be on this for two three months uh, before we're able to finish this up but we will be starting it uh friday normal time 8 p.m eastern 5 p.m pacific uh looking forward that was our number one vote getter uh at the end of last year when we picked a new book and it just uh took a bit of juggling for me to make sure i had the audiobook in hand but i do have it we're all ready to roll uh so friday uh very excited i wish 
wish I had read that book. Uh, I'm ashamed that I hadn't read that book before now, but in due time, we'll be starting it on Friday. Really, really important information. I think it's one that anybody, if you're a black person, you're serious about racism, you should read that book. Harriet Washington, uh, outstanding author, author uh, black female, uh, the history of white supremacy when they get those lab coats uh, and a lot of the problems that we encounter with regards to health care, medicine, excellent information starting this Friday. Uh, with that, we will wrap things up. Again, thanks to all the folks uh, for their participation, questions, observations. Uh, great hearing from folks. And uh, we will definitely continue with this subject matter. Uh, again, I just will continue to echo sobriety would be best under conditions of white supremacy. Just with this uh, conversation that we had today, I was reminded this uh, happened a few years back, not that long ago, just like two or three years ago. Uh, there was an incident in Virginia. <clears throat> it was a young black male teen. Uh, I think he was in his senior year at high school and he was out with his white friends. Uh, they went out, uh, they drunk some alcohol or whatever little drugs or what have you that they were doing, having a good time. And they got ready to wrap things up. Unfortunately, the, the black male, uh, he was so intoxicated that he was having a difficult time uh, standing, uh, just functioning correctly because he was so inebriated. And so his white friends, uh, they were helping him allegedly get back home. They were walking. So they were helping him get back home. And apparently in this uh, subdivision, most of the houses looked kind of similar. They were they were all basically constructed the same. And so they took him and helped him climb through the window of what was he thought his house. Now, even some of our listeners who know about this report alleged that they think it could have been that these uh, little racists, that they were just playing a joke on him and purposely putting him in the wrong house. They say that they, they thought it was his house. They just got confused because all the houses looked the same and it was nighttime. This was like, you know, midnight, one o'clock in the morning uh, that they just got confused either way. He climbs to the window of what he thinks is his house. It is not. It is someone else's house. It is a white uh, person's home who is at home. Uh, so this black male who is not thinking clearly, who's intoxicated, he stumbles upstairs and is walking to what he thinks is his bedroom. Uh, the white homeowner, he walks out and sees this black person walking through his house who he said, hey, nigger is broken into my house at, you know, 1230 at night, one in the morning, gets his gun, bam, shoots and kills this young black teen. And of course... No one is charged. This is not a crime. Castle doctrine. You can't be, you know, going to people's houses uh, in the middle of the night or what have you. They think it's a prowler or what have you. They have a uh, constitutional right to protect uh, their house uh, themselves. No crime. No one charged. Just, oh, tragedy all the way around. How sad. And the black uh, parents... <clears throat> they're upset. They've been trying to pursue this case and they got additional information. Uh, I think the black child was shot multiple times was shot in the back where they're just like wow this is not this is totally incorrect and yeah our son was wrong for going in the house but you know this looks like you know a crime this looks like something that where there at least should have been an indictment where we could get uh information presented but of course dead nigger who cares just another illustration sobriety really would be best under conditions of white terrorism and again those white friends man it is always dangerous uh, i've just seen too many illustrations where uh hanging out with them invariably something bad happens to the black person invariably doesn't matter the age the time whatever the case may be doesn't matter how long we have been cool in the game invariably something bad happens to the black person i would definitely try to emphasize that if you have uh black children as well but if you're going to be out and about uh driving around i say that all the time driver passenger 
pedestrian, you do not want to be under the influence. You never know when you will bump into Darren Holtzclaw, Darren Wilson, Daniel Holtzclaw, Darren Wilson, even a regular white citizen. Whites are extremely dangerous. War is being waged against us. You just don't want to be uh, out and about where you cannot clearly grasp what is happening to you to make the best possible decisions you really literally you are taking your life in your hands literally uh, and that's something that we need to understand immediately at all times you just can't afford to be lax in your codification with that and buckle up say that all the time as well do everything we can to minimize contact with enforcement officials that's an easy one buckle up every time you get behind the wheel take away some of the excuses that they have for coming to terrorize us make sure that we can minimize contact with race soldiers that said, thanks again for everyone tuning in. Creator, we ask you help us remain patient with other black people, victims of racism. We ask that you help us remain patient with ourselves. Remind us to demonstrate the highest levels of black self-respect at all times, in all places, each and every time we are in contact with another black person. It has been time. Replace white supremacy with justice immediately. Cow signing out. Thanks all for tuning in. Nigga, you so brainwashed. I'm a victim, What's your brother. Problem? You're a victim. Man, I'm a up. victim of 400 years of conditioning. Shut up. The man has programmed my conditioning. Mm -hmm. Even my conditioning has been conditioned. <laughs>